Who is this? Now that's the beautiful part of it, isn't it? I know who you are, but you're in the dark. Sort of 
because you go through a, a studio's kind of catalog, it's all kinds of movies. So you get kind of things like I'm now going to get Cover Girl after just hearing, I haven't heard the episode yet, but just hearing the oh. brief kind of description, I'm like going, well, I have to see that now. <laughs> Cover Girl is an incredible, weird movie from Canada yeah. that is, uh, yeah, if you, if you listen to the episode, it, it has quite a story behind it, which we get into. Uh, later in the episode, but boy, is it so fun and weird, and I would highly suggest watching it. It is so, so weird. It's such a weird film. Yeah. So I want to watch it before I listen to the episode, but I'm going to get a hold of it, because just you just said like two words, and I'm just like, oh, well, I have to go watch that now. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, oh. about five words, but... <laughs> <laughs> all i can say is that the director was very upset because the producer who was a producer who worked a lot with cronenberg he took the movie and re-edited it and i don't know what they wanted to edit it like to begin with but whatever they did in the re-edit it's magic it's just so strange so <laughs> that sounds amazing um and yeah it's going back to your cannibal episode i keep forgetting paul bartel directed like corman movies <laughs> yeah yeah, this was the last one he did. But yeah, Death Race 2000 and uh, and this, and then he yeah. and then he went on for like five years of not making stuff before he did Eating Raul, um, and you know went sort of independent at that yeah. point. Yeah, I've always thought of him as his independent one. Then I forget. Oh no, wait, he also went to the School of Corman. So um, yeah, that Cannibal one is actually really interesting as well, just because I'm like, oh yeah, he did. I love Death Race 2000, and then I'm, so yeah, as you, as usual, your podcast is a treasure of movies. Oh, well, thank you so much. Which is what... That's uh, very kind of you to say. Which is what I love about it. Even if you, Erica, and Mark are like going, why did we watch this again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we just signed up for this podcast. We're like, this will be fun. And then didn't realize what exactly some of the movies we'd be watching. But um, (laughs) but no, we we have such a good time on the show. And we're we're having such a blast. And uh, we got a lot of good stuff already lined up for, for 2022. So... We're excited to, to keep it going. we got some interviews already lined up already for the top of the year, so I think we're going to have some pretty cool guests of people that have worked for New World Pictures in the past, so we're, we're very excited for that. Oh, wow, that must be, yeah, you know, your interviews are getting better and better in just terms of, yeah, so it's really exciting to see who's popping up in every single yeah. episode, yeah. Thank you, yeah, I mean, um, we have had a pretty good success rate in terms of getting people to to you know come on the show and be interviewed which has been really fantastic we've only really had a few people turn us down such as gil bedman mm. who directed um crystal heart which is <laughs> a film we absolutely love and adore but he was like no thank you <laughs> so, i am not going to talk about that part of my life it's over nope. he's say. like i am teaching film school now i want nothing to talk about those kinds of movies but I- i'm i'm so bummed because boy is that that movie went to the top of our all three of our individual charts so actually another movie i need to go check out and go back and listen to the episode because i'm like going, i now need to check that movie out that sounds amazing <laughs> it is so wild another one of those just wild bonkers movies mm. so luckily we have settled into like finding a bunch of these little gems that we never really knew about which is which is really cool that was supposed to be our uh, our our valentine's day episode and, and i just picked it because it was you know, had heart in the title, and it was supposed to be a love story, and we had no idea what we were going into on that one, so. Oh, that is absolutely, um, that is absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, please, if you listen to the New World Pictures podcast, because you, it is like a treasure trove of what the hell movies, and oh, yeah, I really like that movie <laughs> kind of thing, so, um, oh, just shout out my, some, a couple of masterpieces in this, yeah, so, um, yes, so, you're doing if, if, if we can quote you on that, that would be that would be fantastic. 
I love that. Thank you so much. It's very kind of you to say. That's awesome. Um, and with that, we're going to be getting into our double feature. Now, we're going to start with Loophole, which is a first-time watch for both of us. Mm. Um, so, Ryan, what on earth did you pick for your dub first trailer for Loophole? Okay, so for my first trailer, for my trailers for Loophole, I try to keep it British. Because mm. uh, doing this sort of sent me down uh, a sort of British crime uh, wormhole. So uh, my first one... I knew I had to go with uh, Peter, director Peter Yates uh, of Kroll uh, after your episode on Kroll, and so I'm talking 1967's Robbery. We'll have to get him out. Somebody's recruiting and only top specialists. I'm interested. I'll take a cut. Come we in. I'm making inquiries into a robbery out of warrant, Inspector. I wish you'd talk to my husband. We'd like to. Do you know where he is? You tell me what the gun's for. And I'll come back to bed. What? I'm sorry, love. You'll have to get yourself home again. So what makes you so different from any other man I might want to go to bed with? He's Quiet! There's somebody out there. Hello? 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 And this is based on the book, The Robber's Tale, which was actually based on the Great Train Robbery of 1963. And it's a great little heist film. Uh, Stanley Baker is the main character, and he's getting a big group of guys together to pull off his heist, which is on a train, um, taking a lot of the money that's going from during the bank holiday, uh, and is traveling by train. And so they're going to use that time to, to take it over. So it's a little, there's not a lot of character development there's not much about their lives we learn a little bit about stanley baker's life because he has a girlfriend joanna pettit who um well we know uh, from in our podcast because she was in uh, new world pictures uh, the evil uh, later on in the 70s but uh so he we knew a little bit about his life but not much so it's really just guys quietly planning their heist going through with the heist and then what happens after the heist so it's it's, it's a great little movie. It's really solid, really well-structured. You know, Peter Yates, great director. So, um, yeah, that would be my first. I really uh, really enjoyed discovering this one as well. No, uh, Robbery sounds really, really great. Um, the poster does look familiar when I was thinking I was just going through sort of movies. And, yeah, the British and Europe tend to have these really great sort of streamlined, just-get-the-job-done kind of movies, which I yep. really, really like. And this looks like him. Pity Yates is a great director, even when he's directing Krull, which has no business <laughs> being as good as it was. Um, <laughs> um, right. My first trailer, I'm still going to go for a men doing a job, but I'm going German. Um, I'm going for Dust Boot from uh -huh. 1981. Imagine a world in which your ears must be your eyes, where sudden death circles over your head, where the air you breathe is rationed, and your only escape is terror. <laughs> Columbia Pictures presents the Wolfgang Peterson Masterpiece. It's an unforgettable adventure of lost men fighting a lost war on the sea without pity. Um, yes. This is a, an amazing movie. It is it's set in World War II, so yes, they are fighting for the Nazis, but you can tell mm -hmm. they're not 
they get annoyed with them a lot, which I kind of it makes a very specific point, which I which I love because it's you know it's a uh, Wolfgang Peterson. It's just men doing a job. They are just in that boat. They are trying to do a really hard job that's going to most likely kill them at any moment. And it is them, the day-to-day living on a submarine. Because I love submarine movies, but there's always this little extra added thing of, um, like in uh, Crimson Tide, will they throw the switch to send the missile? In Red Hunt for Red October, will are they going to be able to defect? This one is just like, can we survive the day? And I just love how the longer you go into it, the better and kind of more crazy wild they get. And it's um, it's a really good movie. Yeah, I I love this movie. And this is actually my brother and my co-host, Mark. This is actually his favorite movie of all time. So yeah. uh, he absolutely adores this one. And it's a great, great movie. We saw it when we were kids. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen it in a little bit, but I've rewatched it over the years. It's a, a terrific movie. Yeah, this is a great pick. Yeah, it's just just like the movie we're going to be talking about, just really solid. Um, what is your <laughs> second, um, second trailer? So going down this little rabbit hole of British crime movies, I came upon a movie that has almost the exact same plot. It's kind of in, intense, and it's 1963's Calculated Risk. There's nearly half past, another half minute, and we can get going again. Shouldn't we have heard him? Do me a favor. Coppers in rubber eels in the snow. Oh, come on, let's hope he's gone. Whoa, that stuff stinks. Yeah, it's the damp. It's very damp down here. That much good for your dog Pago, then, is it? Yeah, the mortar between those bricks looks pretty soft. Yeah, damp. Drop a tea? No, no, no. I got some milk in my coat. What you got there, Irish? That's exactly what it is. Irish. All right, give it here. Didn't know you liked it. No, I don't. Just give it here. Too good a time. Not likely. Now, if it's fight you want, you can have that. I love the fight when we get out of here. Right now, I love the booze. Um, Which is directed by Norman Harrison, who didn't have a huge career that at least I'm aware of. Uh, Written by an actor, Edwin Richfield. And also has music by George Martin, who worked with uh, the Beatles and everything. So. And it's just a really scrappy, low-budget version of the Asphalt Jungle, basically, which I guess you could say about a lot of crime movies. But um, the plot is like, it's such a facsimile of Loophole because it's, now it's following an ex-con, which is a little bit different. But he gets out of jail and he goes and talks to his brother-in-law, who is, I think, a very straight, doesn't have a criminal record. And he's like, I want to pull one last job because his wife has passed away while he's in jail. Excuse me. And... He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just pull this one last job, because I got this job from somebody while I was inside, and he told me all about it, and then he passed away. So I'm gonna do this one last job, which is essentially digging through uh, under a couple different uh, houses, I believe, underground, and then, uh, then they're gonna come up and you know take, take you know the money, and so it's a lot of the same thing where they're digging, they gotta dig underneath, uh, there, and then there's a lot of tension of whether or not they're gonna pull it off. Because they actually come across an old, unexploded bomb from World War II. Oh, that's so cool. Yes. So, yeah. And so it's like, it's, I think I, I've seen a lot of, like, reviews and stuff on Letterboxd. And it seems, it seems a little bit more maligned. I had a really good time with it. And plus, it's, it was, like, maybe 68 minutes or so. Like, it was very fast, very breezy. It's maybe, you know, it's, I think it's, uh, it's well-written. But it's maybe, like, we don't have the most A-list of actors 
Um, but I really had a good time with it. And I even wondered, I wondered if Robert Pollock saw the movie before he wrote the loophole novel in 1973. Uh, I just thought, gosh, this has so many similarities that that's why I was like, I, I got to go with this one. Yeah, this looks, this, yeah, that sounds about right. And I love how the idea, because if you're doing stuff underground in London, there's a chance you're going to find an unexploded <laughs> old blitz bomb because yeah, there was yeah. a lot of it. Um, it just adds <laughs> yeah. so much more tension to the fact you're trying to already do this dangerous thing and then that shows up. It's like, yeah. holy crap. Um, yeah. No, that sounds absolutely perfect. And again, I'm going to have to watch this because um, this sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, I really dug it. And, and I saw all the reviews and thought, boy, this isn't very well regarded. But I had a great time with it. And considering, you know, it just went very just was really nice and, and tight and, you know, uh, enjoyed enjoy the dialogue. And, you know, I, I really had a good time with it. I thought it was really good. No, uh, British crime movies um, are something really special just because they get to the point usually pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I'm My last trailer, I'm going to go for an American one, but I think, you know, I think Ben Affleck was going for a British kind of, well, in terms of getting to the point five, because I'm going for the town. When someone endures an experience like this, there are often residual effects. <laughs> okay. Just having a bad week. I like to have a good cry at the nail salon. <laughs> Why should we buy you a drink? There are over 300 bank robberies in Boston every year. Most of these professionals live in a one-square-mile neighborhood called Charlestown. So do your parents still live here? My mother moved away, and my father, uh, you don't get out much. I'm thinking about making a change. Making a change. Either you got here or you don't. Um, <laughs> this is just kind of the movie that you kind of wish all movies were at that standard. Like, it's just really good. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what it does needs to do. Gets out, no fuss. Uh, Jeremy Renner gives a really good performance. I think, Mich is it Michelle Monaghan who's in it? I might, might be getting confused um, with Gone Baby Gone. But it's just a really solid um, Boston, Ben Affleck type bank robbing movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while, but the I watched the trailer. I thought, yeah, I think this is going to work. Yeah, it's a really nice one I really like as well. Um, it's Rebecca Hall, I think. Rebecca Hall, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, in, that's in the town. Um, but yeah, this is, yeah, I, I really like the town. That's a go, it's a good uh, crime crime one. If you can get through all those Boston accents, you can you can enjoy it. Yes, it does have a lot. That's the one thing uh, Ben Affleck movies tend to do. It's like, oh no, go harder with the Boston accents. <laughs> yep. <laughs> The town with towny accents. It's very funny. Yes. Yeah. I love I love a Boston movie just because I do love the Boston accents. I mean, me just watching The Departed, I'm just sitting there giggling my ass off through most of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that, we are going to get into a maybe the definition of what a solid movie is. And that is Loophole from 1981. Loophole, a compelling new film about crime, corruption, and temptation. I can guarantee that your share will be not less than half a million pounds. Loophole is the story of two men with very different natures, the honest and the corrupt. International Securities Bank. I can get us in and I can get us out provided we've got the right team. Loophole tells what can happen when an honest man, but a broken man, meets a dishonest man who knows how to lay his hands on a fortune. He wouldn't want to do anything illegal. Albert Finney, Martin Sheen. 
as you said before, it's based on a, uh, a book and then it was made into a movie in 1981. Um, I had never actually heard of it before you suggested it. And I thought, oh, uh, Albert Finney and Martin Sheen. Yep, yes, absolutely. And then, so yeah, what was your first reaction when you sat, actually sat down to watch uh, Loophole? I was in the same frame of mind because I was like, how have I never... Uh, I came across this because I had purchased The Silent Partner, which is a movie, you know, that I had, you know, seen before, but it's finally coming out on Blu-ray. And uh, Keenan was having a sale and I saw a loophole and I was like, how have I not seen a Martin Sheen, uh, Albert Finney crime film? I've got to, I've got to see this. This has got to be terrific. Um, it's ve- it looks very much like it's still in the 70s. Yes. Well, the it came out in 81. <laughs> but it looks and feels like the 1970s, like the whole movie. Mm. Um, but I had to see it because this is also so close to Martin Sheen coming off of uh, Apocalypse Now, which is one of my absolute favorite films. Um, Finney, this is before he does Annie, um, but he's really starting to become like a like an international star. So I was like, this is I got I got to see this, and he is as cool as hell, Albert Finney in this movie. Oh, um, I, I've never seen him this cool before. I mean, he's I yeah. Cool. I, I mean, there's a few movies I've got to watch with him, especially of his earlier stuff. And there's just way he's so well put together. He's like the consummate uh, criminal gentleman. Um, it's, yeah, this is a job for him. He does it right. He, he wants to go in. And yeah, but you're just looking at him going, oh, you're just the coolest man in the room. I didn't think he, he is so smooth. Oh, he's so smooth. He's so smooth. <laughs> yeah, and there's like a conversation they have, I think, at Finney's house when he's trying to convince Sheen to do the job, where he says, like, this is how it's going to go down. We're going to do this. And don't you worry because I have every intention of seeing my children grow up. And it's said with so much integrity and like, you're just sort of like, yeah, man, just lead me into the wherever. Like, let's just go because I'll follow you anywhere. Like it's so, so convincing. And it's like a shot where you can see his family in the background. It's just so solid. It's really like just solidly made little movie. Yeah. Cause actually this was, um, I, can't remember who shouted at me, uh, told me, and then I went, oh, yes, it was. It was actually, um, which this is perfect because this is kind of uh, for Christmas. Um, it is ac- was actually played for the Christmas Day movie in 1981 as well. Yes, that's right. It, I think yeah. it came out earlier in the year and then they played it again and, and later in the year, yes. Yeah, so I love the idea of everyone in Britain on a very cold afternoon with their little crispy crown hats that everyone wears sitting down to watching this movie and just going, yeah, this is Good. I mean, this is the kind of movie my dad would have shown on Christmas Day because we always had a few movies we would watch between different things. And I'm just watching this going, oh, my God, I, I, I had to go, Dad, do you know this movie? Because if not, you would absolutely love it. And he's like, no, what is it? I'm like, I'm sending this to you because you need to see, see this. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did not realize it had so much to do then with Simon Partner as well being set at that's, you know, at least initially set in, at yeah. Christmas time or in December and uh, and this being set around that time. And this one also has, I can imagine being very popular for a British uh, winter movie because the only thing that is their undoing at all is them uh, listening to a botched weather report. So that's the one thing that really messes them up. And I'm sure is probably plays to Brits more like, oh, I wouldn't just trust that weather report. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you got to listen to at least three. Come on, guys. Um, I love the fact that they're undoing is a botched weather report because every single time I kept thinking, oh, this is going to happen. No, this doesn't happen. Oh, Jonathan Price is in it. Okay, he's going to turn on them at some point. It's some, he's, looks, he's all, uh, Jonathan Price is one of my favorite actors, but every single time he turns up, I'm like, 
you're going to do something bad. You are a, you have <laughs> yes. a bad guy written all over your face. Um, he doesn't. He's just asking questions about the job. Um, and then when, because I remember going, oh, they're getting into the tunnel early. I thought this would be like the third act. No, it's most of the movie. And it has just got this amazing kind of workman ethic of, okay, no, this job is going to take ages. Um, we're going to go down there and we're going to try and drill into this really intense safe to try and get into the um, deposit boxes. And it, you're just watching them and every single little moment, um, because they're planned it so meticulously, every tiny little thing that goes wrong, it gets really tense. Like when the guy doesn't get his mask on quick enough because the sewer gas the, is the, coming out. Yeah, yeah. Or the weather report or something else or the fact that they realize the wall is actually thicker than they realize, so it's going to take longer to drill. It's Everything about it is just so meticulously <laughs> planned. So when something tiny goes wrong, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. I also, you know, it doesn't hurt that you have uh, music. I think that I think what really kind of, you know, drove this sort of tension for me was Lalo Schifrin does the score. Oh, yes, uh, yes, he does, yes. And so to me, I'm like, you could, you well, I mean, it's not the most stylish of all movies, but a heist film with Lalo Schifrin doing the music, you could do a lot worse. And it's it's like, it really, when we got into the tunnel, to, to your point, I was like, oh, something bad's going to happen. Because that music just was like, it so propels the movie. And I thought, uh, we're, we're, we're going to, something's bad. I thought something bad would happen to Martin Sheen. Yeah, um, me too. Um, especially when, because, well, I guess we're spoiling this movie um, a little bit. When he sort of decides to stay in the safe, it's this great. I just kept giggling because um, these guys are trying to battle these massive raging waters that are coming in through the sewer system because it's raining. And then Martin Sheen is just sitting in the safe. You just you see the water bubbling up through the hole. Then he has to go up a few more steps, a few more steps. And before, before you know it, he's standing at the top of the thing. I'm like, oh, wait, he could actually drown if it keeps raining. Right. He's going to fill right. right up to the, to the thing. Um, and you don't see anything happen. I like how it sort of cuts. And it's not to the right to the end when you know exactly what's happened to, to people. Um, right, right. Yeah, and again, that had to be so tense for Brits looking at that going, it's not going to stop raining. <laughs> Like, you're in for it, man. Like, so that'd be very tense for Brits knowing, like, that's just, you're probably in for a full day's worth of rain and, you know, who knows how long that's going to go. Exactly. Because uh, I noticed all the Brits decided to make a run for it. They're like, oh, we're not waiting around here to drown in a freaking safe. And it's Martin Sheen, the American, going, it'll stop raining. And everyone's like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you want to stay in here? He's like, yeah, I'm good. You know, they're like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, that's a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and the thing is, is that we only really know too very much about like Martin Sheen. Like I said, we, we see a little bit of Albert Finney's family, but we don't know a ton about him personally. Mm. And again, he's just so cool, and you can understand why Martin Sheen eventually joins, signs on. And of course, that's how um, the director uh, John Quested how he sold it to Martin Sheen was. He said this was this is a movie about. Um, basically taking a, a, like a regular guy and seeing how far he could go before he it gets involved in crime, you know, yes. and sort of seeing how he could be pushed. And he initially balks and then he gets in. And so, so, so I think we know more about his personal life and his kids and, you know, his wife, Susanna York, who looks like she just stepped off the set of The Silent Partner. She looks like exactly identical. <laughs> <laughs> she has the same haircut and everything. <laughs> Um, but it's a few years later, so, but, but she's, she looks identical. And, um, 
And so it's it, 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 that's why I was like tense and thought something bad's gonna happen to Martin Sheen because he's the regular Joe getting involved with this with this crime. Yes. So. But he does choose the nicest group of criminals he could have chosen. Um, <laughs> he does. William yes. Finney is is kind of very honorable. He I mean he sort of sees this as his job, and he goes with it with that kind of workman ethic. Because uh -huh. yeah, when he's sitting in the by the garden with, and you're looking at his kids, he goes, "I have every intention of seeing my kids grow up." You sort of realize, oh, it's this is what he does, and and also how his wife kind of goes, "Oh, make sure you're okay," and the fact that she's waiting up for him. Um, mm -hmm. So she obviously mm -hmm. is very aware of what he does, and it's just kind of another day. Um, even though he's very much aware of the, they are obviously very aware of the danger that could happen. But it's just this kind of, yeah, he he, he chose pretty well. Even though they did trick him into doing it at first. Like I love the whole scene where they're going to the office on the set day, and they're trying to pretend that they they're meant to be there, and everyone's like, "What? Who are you? <laughs> Why are you here?" <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, as much as I was into Martin Sheen, I will say that there was part of me that was like, hold on a second, he is um, a fairly well-off guy, yes. he, you know, and, and looking at this from an American's perspective, he's an American living in the UK, doing pretty well as an architect, yeah. he's got his kids yeah. in fancy schools, he just loses his job, and then you know, has a hard time finding yet another job, so he just starts going into crime, and I'm like, this is, that's not maybe you know the most you know the greatest story of a, of a protagonist of all time because it's just a rich guy going god i really don't want to have to like you know sell my car or my house or do something else i don't want to give up my lifestyle so i guess i'll rob a bank it's pretty much <laughs> it it's like oh my god my kids might have to go to a other to not a public right a school, public school a public school they go into a public school yeah. i think they, they have to go then send them to the normal school that's right. kind of the worst thing that could happen um <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's late 70s early 80s in britain i mean it's the economy's it's not the best economy to try and be an architect of the, that kind of thing so it's just uh, though yeah i thought it was kind of funny like i kept thinking of a movie that was uh released a couple of years ago called the nest i didn't love it as jude law but it's kind of oh uh, yeah he's more of a huckster like he's always pulling he's trying to create this big fancy lifestyle on like a deck of cards that could fall over at any second but um yeah martin sheen has it pretty good i mean yeah even if they had to sell the house they could get a, like sort of having a massive mansion they could just go for a nice normal three-bedroom it's not like it's, yeah it's i don't want to give up my house because i built it and my wife wants to do this interior decorating business so i don't know i guess i gotta rob a bank <laughs> it's like, it's like, i mean it's it's martin sheen so like i'm down like i'm in but like and i'm all for him but like he, there's there's a lot there's not there are other actors that could do that but he's definitely one of those actors that's going to draw you in but when i really sat back and thought about it i'm like this is a rich guy going yikes i don't want to not be rich so i better <laughs> rob this bank <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he robs this bank to stay rich. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yes, exactly. Yeah, which um, feels... It's not, not a hard luck story. It's not exactly like, you know, it's, this is not Robin Hood. No. This is... <laughs> <laughs> and even and even Finney's gotten a pretty good lifestyle from yeah, yeah. I mean, he's living in a really nice house with a garden, and you can tell they do very, very well for themselves. And it's sort of more the other crew who are kind of, you can tell, uh, I guess, his employees. So they are sort of a little bit more working class and a little bit more kind of that. But yeah, it's um, it's a it's a very gentleman gentleman robbing a bank movie. Which, yes, um, which was kind of nice because usually 
they are very rough and ready and as we'll get into with the silent partner crazy but um it's, <laughs> but no martin sheen's the kind of actor you want to be that guy because he's going to draw you in and you're still going to feel sorry for him when he because as soon as the movie opens he's losing his job right right and they're drinking champagne and they're living the high life and the guy's like well i'm just going to retire i mean you're an architect you'll probably find another job and he's going mm, yikes i have like a <laughs> mansion and a children in public school and three cars yeah. I, um, I mean his kids are in like prep schools and stuff so he's like oh i don't want to have to what they'd have to go to a regular school how oh, oh, not not my children and then he goes when he find <laughs> when he tries to find a regular job it's like well uh i mean i can't just start at the bottom because of my experience, I have to be a high-level executive, and that's been that's hard to find a job. <laughs> and I've overdrawn with my bank. I mean, I'm I'm also like not familiar with having to go out to lunch with my banker. <laughs> that is such an upper-crust British thing: is to have lunch with yeah. your banker. I can't think of anything more than yeah, that. Yeah, you're doing pretty well. You're doing yeah. pretty well, aren't you? <laughs> if, if you're going out to lunch with your banker, I think you're in a good place. They're not. Yeah, yeah it's because I just recently watched Spider-Man too, and the whole thing of Aunt May trying to get a loan and then not being able to, and then not even getting the toaster. That's everyone else. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's that's the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are going to our, again, private club. Maybe you give up your club membership so you can then pay the bank back. I mean, instead of taking your banker to a fancy lunch where you get them brandy and a cigar. Like, I mean, it's, you know, you know, cut back a little bit. Think about ways you can save yourself some money there, it's there, just yeah there are other there are other restaurants you can go to to take your banker it's not like yeah it's um i thought that yeah when you sit back and think about it it is this very um because i sort of watching this and another movie that i might link to um silent partner but it's kind of especially british um sort of bank kind of movies are this very kind of distinction i guess everywhere else as well between the middle class and the rich um and you've just got this thing of like yeah everyone the the bank has, has all the money but it'll sort of work with with middle class people um the rich just put their money into it and expect you to keep it safe and all that kind of thing and it's just this kind of delineation um and even between the two and then albert finney's kind of pretending to be upper class like he has a club but that's where he does all his business like you have to go to the club to see him and um that should have been like I think they have a fake, didn't they have a, like a fake office to interview him at the beginning or? Yeah, they, they ran an office for like a week to interview him about the job, but he does have a club that Martin Sheen then goes to find him in and he's yes. forced to wear a tie in order to enter. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because he's not wearing a tie. Um, he's wearing a jacket and like a polo, but he has to like wear a tie to go in. So he does have like, he is a man, like you said, he, Albert, Albert Finney's a man of means, mm. but he's like so smooth and so confident and you know, like. He's just a professional thief. Like, so, you know, he comes by all that, honestly. It's Martin Sheen who has to, like, go from a, you know, more legit, well-off life and suddenly turn to crime. Yeah, uh, it's the, 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 it seems very seamless because, yes, he balks at the idea when it's first suggested to him, when he finds out that um, the interview and the job was actually fake to try and get the plans so they could figure out how to get into the bank. And then he kind of goes, no, I'm an honest man. And... I almost wanted um, Finney to give that speech that James Kahn gives in Thief, and he goes, you know, I have $100,000, I have $100, whatever the suit is, I have this, I have this, I'm a thief. Um, but he's an honorable thief. He's like, yeah, I'm still offering you a job. This is going to pay well. This is kind of what you need. I know you need the money. 
um and then we never had and, and the um the line of oh but do i have to see you? what happens afterward will i ever see you again and albert finney's like what well, depends on how you feel about the work it's like yeah i'll take you on again but it depends on on you yeah I'm, right I'm, I'm not fast <laughs> right this is what i do so yeah. if you dig it and we'll see but <laughs> Yeah, I, I I really dug that, and I, I mean, this is a great cast. Jonathan Price, of course, it's his I think his first movie role. Oh wow, he looks um, so I, young. He does look very young in this. And I and I believe if this is right, I think I saw this on IMDb. I think he turned down Time Bandits to do this movie. I did I did see that as well because I just wanted to confirm the Christmas Day thing, and then I, yeah, it goes he turned down Time Bandits. I'm like, that's two kind of big movies to choose between. You've got Loophole and Time Bandits. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know who he would have played in Time Bandits exactly, so that's the, other, the the only thing that I when I thought about it, I was like, well, who would he have played? I don't, because he's so young at the time, so I'm not sure. So maybe it wasn't a, a big part in Time Bandits, but you know, it was it still you know would have been a great film for him to be in. I'm not sure that this one really like launched him per se, but I, I can see Martin Sheen, uh, Albert Finney. I could see the attraction to wanting to do this movie instead. No, I could, because he does get a little bit more meek, because I guess he's kind of the third lead, almost. Um, maybe mm -hmm. uh, Su Susanna York, but she's kind of over somewhere else doing her own thing, and just kind of um, just doing buying, <laughs> buying materials. materials. She's buying materials. <laughs> um, she's, she's living the lifestyle of a, of a wealthy wife, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Even though she's very supportive for most of it, until she finds out that there's no job, and she's like, Hang on, I've got kids. I've just we've just put the kids in like fancy schools. Do you want me to pull? I don't want to pull them out. And he's like, "Don't you dare pull them out! They none of my children are going to a freaking comprehensive um, or just a normal school." God damn it! Oh, um, no way! Not my children. Not my children. Um, but yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan Price has a really interesting role, and he does stand out because he's kind of the also the new kid on the block who's coming in for this for this job. And he's kind of the one that asks all the questions. It's like, well, what about mm -hmm. this? What about the alarm? How do we do that? And I love actually how they get around the alarm thing. It's actually really um, interesting and kind of banking on the fact that the police and the security guards will not do their job. <laughs> it's, right. it's kind of amazing. And yeah. Well, the loophole itself, that is the title. I believe that was like the big thing about the book was that it really set up you know, a, a scenario for bank robbing that was, you know, that people thought this is, this is a problem. That's yeah. problematic. Cause if there's no point of entry, then there's no thought that there's something actually happening. Yes. Um, so, so that loophole was real. And I think they, when the book came out, I believe a lot of the blurbs were like, the police better read this book because this is serious. Like this could, you know, this is a serious loophole that, that, you know, can, that robbers could use. Yeah. So if they do, cause they're just going to set off the alarm and what happens is when the security come to check the door, if they don't see any point of entry, they're like, well, they can't get in. And it's like, aha, I just bugs buddy my way in. Um, <laughs> and it's a really smart way of robbing a safe. Cause you're watching it going, Oh yeah, that would actually, so yeah, so now I guess you have motion sensors to tell you if someone's in there or not. But right, they right. Can, because of that, they can spend a lot of time in there. They don't have to get in and get out really quickly. Um, they can just hang out and go through all the drawers and kind of figure out exactly what, what they want to take and what they don't want to take. And it's um, it really all walks you through that. And they do make a point to say, because even Jonathan Price goes, all right, okay, there's no way in, there's no way out. We have the tunnel in. What about the alarm? And Albert Finney, cool as I, says... They're not going to check if they don't see a point of entry. 
they're not going to check if we're in there and it's sound mm-hmm. like, so they will not hear us um so in that way it's just like i'm like going yeah that's kind of accurate that's <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's a hell of a gamble but you know he knows what he's doing yeah he's yeah he's done this before and everything like that so you're like yeah i i trust you albert you you, you seem to know what you're doing which he does um yeah. for that goddamn weather report <laughs> Yeah, you almost almost had it down. <laughs> almost had it down. Like, um, even I love when they're going to go into the cover, they get a truck to break down right on the uh, manhole so they can actually sneak in through the thing, which is, again, is ingenious. It, yeah. Um, it's really, really smart. And then they're like, oh, yeah, how long are you going to take to fix? You need to fix this. Like, well, I can't because I have a busted tire. And it's, yeah, it's actually pretty ingenious how they got them into the, the, the sewer grate. And then um, how they tunnel through. And then, again, if it wasn't for that pesky British weather, they would have been, it would have been all... It would have been so smooth. It would have been so smooth. Yeah, and he also went to that office, like, across from the job. Because the other guy that that is there from the beginning with Albert Finney, he ends up being in that office. And then he cleans that whole office down to every last scrap Mm -hmm. once the job is done and moves Mm -hmm. out. So they also rent that like perfect corner office so they can like look over the job as it's going on. Yes. And can communicate to the guy in the car and communicate to the guy down below. Yes, because even the one point of tension is when the guy in the van is trying to talk to the guy in the office. He doesn't pick up for like a little bit and the guy gets really freaked out. He goes, look, I had to go to the bathroom. And it's like, oh my God, that is tension. You're like, because you're like, where is he? Okay, where'd he go? What's going on? Is he caught? Is he going to double cross him? What's happening? Um, so yeah, it, it really does. It's a movie that plays on your expectations of, I yeah. think this is going to happen, but you're right with that score and just the fact that the job is enough. I mean, robbing a bank would be really nerve wracking. It's not like a thing you just go and do. It takes planning. Everything has to go according to clockwork. Nothing can sort of, every eventuality has to kind of be within the sort of calculation of it. And yeah, and this movie kind of does that perfectly. I keep going back to the word solid, but it, I, it's a solid, solid movie. Yeah, yeah. There's something to be said. It's like you, I think your your pick of the town is a great is a great one because you're just looking at like that's a movie that you'd be hard pressed to go. Yeah, I. That's just I don't know. I don't like it. I mean, it's it's solid. It's a solid film. Mm. This one's a solid little movie, and there, you know, it's. I feel like modern movies. You're trying to. There's always they're always trying to go for like these. You know. Big, but you're either doing a big budget thing or like a tiny low budget thing. Yeah. But there's, yeah. there's there was a time where we just made solid little movies. <laughs> had, yeah, and you could and where doing one thing was enough. As much as I love um, certain movies, um, The Descent. When and I love the fact that there are monsters in that movie, but it would have been enough if just a group of women got lost in a cave. System for sure. For sure. Knocking out. Um, it's going yeah. to be as tense as hell. And the fact that they added monsters is an added bonus, but if they didn't have them, the movie would still be awesome. Yeah, and, no, uh, I agree. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I was going to say too, this movie was written by Jonathan Hales, who wrote Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. So I have to say, uh, hand, it, hand it to him for this script. I'm not so sure about Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Not one of my favorite Star Wars, but well done on this one, Jonathan. This, this is a really good script. Um, this is a good script. But there was no sand, so uh, no one to hate sand. There was, it was no core sand. Sorry, I can't remember the exact line. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there, there was, uh, yeah, there was, 
you didn't have to do the a love story, a terrible contrived love story like Attack of the Clones. Uh, and and have Aiden Christensen yes. deliver the lines, I guess, as well. You have Albert Finney and Martin Sheen and Jonathan Price. So you have uh, maybe a higher standard there of some of the people delivering the lines than, yes. than Aiden Christensen, yeah. uh, not to denigrate the rest of the cast. No, um, he's, yeah, I mean, this is a British late 70s, early 80s movie, so you're going to have, like, character actors galore. I mean, I think Robert Morley is in there. Um, all these kind yeah. of, they're more faces that I know. I'm like, wait, I do know that face. Where do I know that face? And then you look down yeah. and like, oh, of course, because he was in that episode of that one thing I watched when I was a kid. Robert Morley was like in tons of stuff, right? Like I couldn't, I was definitely was like, who is, I know I've seen this guy in so much stuff. Yeah. In and the yeah. African Queen, I'm just kind of like, just sort of breezing through his, his career. And my devil. gosh. He's, yeah, he's in literally everything. Like everything yeah. was kind of going on the 60s and 70s. Ah, Theater of Blood. Yes, he was definitely in that. Um, mm. Like, yeah, it's kind of because the, um, I guess just the British uh, acting community was just as smaller just by general kind of thing that you do get these uh, same faces popping up again and again and again yeah. and it is just and it's just really really fun and this is just um well both these movies well actually no this is the more kind of manly movie um the other one is a little bit more fluid but it's, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah as i said this is just really solid and i think it's definitely worth a watch because you get to watch a really great movie with uh, Martin Sheen and Albert Finney giving re and Jonathan Price and Afra Godfrey and all those guys giving just really great performances. Even Susanna York, who's given nothing to do except nothing, yeah, kind of fold fabric, is actually really good in it. So yeah. yeah, except be the like wife. It's like wait, my business. Give me money. Give me <laughs> you money. Know? Not a great role, but like she does a great job with it. She's yeah, the cast is, is super great. Yeah, I'm still glad you liked it because I definitely was felt like I was rolling the dice with this one because I, this is one I hadn't seen either, and I was like, boy, I hope this works yeah. <laughs> because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I've sent us down a bad road. Oh, even if it was a bad road, I could go. So this is a weird movie, but no, it's just I like how like down the road it was. I kind of missed this kind of movie getting mm. even because um, we were sort of complaining about the mid budget movie going away to yeah yeah which i still i still get that but even i don't think even on streaming services you would get a movie like loophole um no something else to it and it's kind there's of gonna be more genre movies like in a mid-tier budget thing exactly. you gotta have more genre elements yeah, yeah. Be genre elements whether it be mm -hmm. like a romantic comedy or a horror or a sci-fi or something this is just they'd be pulling this heist like on a spaceship you know like they would be or there'd be some <laughs> intergalactic credits at this bank <laughs> Or they'd, be, they'd get down in the sewer and it'd be like a um they'd find a monster down there like right, um exactly. uh, a <laughs> pet or something like that it just wouldn't be just a heist um right right exactly yeah, yeah. and i miss these kind of movies um yeah it'd be nice just to see them again just a really solid drama heist something and just go yeah that was really good and yeah then watch it again like a few years down the track and go yeah that's still really good <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a what is interesting. Like, it seems like crime movies pop up every so often, but they they they're not like they, there was a time we were making them like crazy. Obviously, yes. we call them a lot of them noirs now, but they were just movies about crime. That's yeah. all they were thinking at the time. They didn't think, you know, and so. But we don't get a lot of those. That's one that we definitely don't. We we that, I, I think a resurgence is is needed. We're we're needing a few more like good crime movies we do. and have a little bit more than just the occasional one that pops up. 
Yes, because every time occasional one pops up, like the town or the couple that you sort of mentioned, I'm like, yeah, this is really great. And then if we do, it's like King of Thieves from 2018 and it's Michael Caine going, I'm old. And I'm like, yes, Michael Caine, you are old. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's officially retired now, hasn't he? Yeah, except for, except for Nolan who gets to, well, he's actually really, his scene in Tenet is amazing. Um uh, I think he just sits in a chair for Nolan and does, but yeah, he's like in his nineties. I want to say he's 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 done well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's re- he 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 had, he deserves to take a rest as, oh, at this oh. point for sure. Yeah. And that's another person you brought up, Christopher Nolan. Of course, that's another guy who who is making crime movies. But it's like, let me steal an idea or plant an idea that you didn't know in your mind, and that's the heist that we're pulling. Those are the kinds of crime movies that we mostly get at this yes. point. We oh, don't get, like... Yes. <laughs> we don't just get the solid one. I mean, you, Tenet is like, yeah, we're going to do a crime movie, but it's all going to go backwards. And I'm like, okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there's got to be a twist. There's got to be some other angle. <laughs> yes, they can't just do it straight. And um, then now we're going to go on to a movie that does anything but go in a straight line. I mean, my yeah. Um, with that, we're gonna go into the silent partner. Um, what on earth would you show as a trailer for the silent partner, Ryan? Well, I have to go kind of personal because this movie, when I first saw it years ago, was because I was uh, working at a video store. And I, uh, and I got really into, I was trying to catch up with a lot of things I hadn't seen, particularly in the 70s. Mm. Um, I, you know, the 70s was just something I hadn't seen a lot, ex- except for whatever movie my parents might have shown us and stuff when we were kids. And uh, I started re- watching a lot of Robert Altman movies. I got to see California Suite at the time. I was living in the Bay Area. I got to see that and like actually in a theater for the first time. Oh, wow. and so, yeah. Um, because it wasn't available uh, and still has been sort of tricky to get onto like physical media. Yeah. And so I started thinking, God, L.A. Gould, the, the L.A. Gould I grew up with is not the Elliot Gould of the 1970s. Yeah, you know? so, <laughs> the 80s and 90s Elliot Gould is so different. And yet yeah. he was this big star. So I started trying to, I didn't go deep, but I started trying to watch more movies of Elliot Gould because, and to this day, you know, his career uh, through the 70s is fascinating. And yeah. and so this was one of the movies I watched. But if I go back to the first movie, I probably, I, and I had to think, what would have been the first movie I ever saw in a theater uh, with Elliot Gould. And so <laughs> so I've chosen The Last Flight of Noah's Ark from 1980. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Noah Dugan, loser, making another getaway. What the hell did I get into? You shouldn't curse in front of ladies. Now look, kid, don't you tell me how to talk. Watching his luck change from bad to worse in The Last Flight of Noah's Ark. We're running out of gas. Boeing T-29. Mayday. Mayday. Hold on! The war is over. The men's civilization forgot. Gambling on a long shot with Noah Dugan. Make a boat out of what? Out of rain! Oh my god, I haven't seen Yeah, which is a Disney movie, and he's a pilot of a plane, and it crashes on this island where there's these two guys, I believe, from these Japanese soldiers from World War II who don't realize that the war is over, and then they start taking the plane and building it into 
an ark and or a boat so they can get themselves off this deserted island. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and it's not only it's got a great Elliot Gould performance who's just smoking a cigar the whole time, but it's also one of those great '80s like Disney movies when Disney was like. I don't know what we're going to do. And they hadn't really particularly created Touchstone and hadn't created some of these different, you know, um, production companies where they, they could kind of sneakily release a, 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 a like an adult, more adult themed kind of movie. So this is like, this, this is Disney releasing this movie. It does have Ricky Schroeder in it, um, who's young and, and he was, uh, at this point, he wasn't getting in the face of Costco employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, about their mask policies so this is a young ricky schroeder and uh um so but it's just it's such i haven't seen this one in forever but it is because it's also really hard to find it's hard to to track down at this point i don't think this is on disney plus and i don't know if it's going to make it on disney plus anytime soon um but it's like i thought my at first it might be uh the devil and max devlin Mm -hmm. but i I know i saw that one too but i actually i think this one was first and i remember mark and i seeing this in a movie theater when we were kids so it's really just for this is my first taste of elliot gould as a leading man essentially in my life i think this is actually really great because yeah elliot gould has had a fascinating actually both him and Plummer have had fascinating career oh yeah oh um, totally but elliot gould yeah when i found out that he had this whole other career career in the 70s my mind was blown i was like what mm-hmm. Monica, monica's dad was a thing in the 70s like because my first introduction <laughs> was probably friends i mean i think I yeah. have, that i remember i think i actually had because i know i've seen um uh the arc movie but i was just like going but i couldn't really remember it and then i'm like oh well, yeah he was mm-hmm. in that movie but i haven't seen it forever and Disney Plus, please get that movie on. And also, oh. um, Something Wicked Comes This Way. I mean, you have Return to Oz on there. Come on. I mean, that's the freaking scariest yeah. movie ever made. So creepy. Yeah. Something Wicked This Way Comes was another one, that uh, Disney movie, that I just adored. Uh, I, have an, I have an old DVD of it. Um, yeah, me too. Because I love it. Just, yeah. just so I can watch it whenever I want to, because yes. it's such a great, great movie. John, John, Jonathan Price, again, yes. um, yeah, incredible performance. Amazing performance in that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so when you sort of go back and you find out that the 70s and Elliot Gould, you're like, holy crap. He was like a movie, like a yeah. people's sexiest man movie star kind of thing. I'm like, Elliot Gould? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah, oh, married to Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Like he's, I mean, he's just like the leading man. And it's yeah. just like, it's just, you have such a, I don't know. I, I don't want to like, because I think he's great and I love him, but he, he just seems a little goofier. To me in the 80s he's a little sillier and maybe because he was doing more tv and sort of sillier movies in the 80s and then in the 90s he just becomes dads yeah you know all the time just playing everyone's dad and you know you st- you're like wait he was this sexy leading man yeah, like it just was so like what elliot gould elliot, but sure? he's he absolutely is and he's great he's I incredible i mean the first time i saw the long goodbye i was like holy crap oh yeah no, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this is kind of perfect because I think it's a that's kind of the '80s and '90s is kind of how people saw Elliot Gould. So it's kind of a good remember to go. Hey, remember the Elliot Gould you remember? You're about to get into another very different style of um, Elliot Elliot Gould. Um, so yeah, perfect. Um, my second trailer is I decided to go a bit more sort of um, very good, smart bank robbery movies again. But so, uh, but I'm going to go for um, Charlie Verrick from 1973. 
Harold Young, Trace Cruz's bank manager, has estimated that the bandits escaped with less than $2,000. Who are they kidding? Us? It's 10 to 1. This stuff belongs to the Mafia. This is gambling money skimmed off the top. The Mafia kills you. No trial, no judge. They never stop looking for you, not till you're dead. I'd rather have 10 FBI's after me. One man against the Mafia. Bang! This little bank a million miles from nowhere gets hit by four professionals. Now they're going to think that's strange. Why couldn't it be just a coincidence? Because they don't believe in coincidence. Prop dusters don't wave guns. Put that thing away fast. Well, we're going to get them. I'll never get out of New Mexico. I feel that in my gut. Might want to fence off some money. Hot. Burning up. Um, yes, I had this one picked too. <laughs> I had, this was my backup, just in case you took a, the other one, another one that I had lined up, and I was like, oh, you know what? I should mention Charlie Barrick if, if, just in case. And, <laughs> and yes, excellent pick. I love Charlie Barrick. Great, great film. Charlie Barrick is amazing. And speaking of weird leading men of the 70s, um, yes, yeah, Walter Matthau. Um, the hairiest man on the planet and women are just <laughs> dropping their panties every single time he walks in a room. I <laughs> love it. No, this is really smart. Um, this is a guy who realizes they robbed the wrong bank and now um, people are after him. It's got Joe Don Baker and John Vernon being amazing in it and he's got a yeah. way of getting away from the mob. Um, more so with his life than with the money, but it's done so... It's just Don Siegel, again, knows how to get in, get out. Make, make a movie um and it's just a really really great movie it's so solid it's so good the ending is just incredible i love the moment between him, him and his wife after the first bank robbery like yeah. he just there's and it's, it's a great it's a great pick too because um <laughs> walter matthau his performance much like ellie gould in the silent partner is so understated yes He's do you know something's going on behind his eyes? You know he's thinking and he's constantly coming up with stuff, but you don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. But you know stuff's going on. He's not, you know, over the top. He's not going. Not that either one of them ever really do that kind of stuff, but they they just have such a nice understated quality to them, which again is another thing I would love to see more in movies. It's it's excellent. It's a great pick. Yeah, and especially because the Walter Mathel I grew up with was funny. He was very yeah. funny. Oh, sure. It was grumpy, grumpy old men, and then you went back and you saw it. But he's he's so, yeah, again, there's always something going on behind the eyes. You know he's got yep. things planned, but you just don't always know how and what. Um, And it's just a, yeah, it's a great, great movie. Yeah, it's a great, great pick. Yeah, I love, yeah, again, two incredible careers in the 1970s. Yeah. Walter Mathel. And Elliot Gould, just fascinating. I mean, to, to, to on the Matthau side, also Jack Lemmon also was going and doing some really, tr I mean, tremendous stuff oh, yeah. in the 70s. Just like amazing, weird, different stuff. In fact, I just got recently, and I need to watch it, I got the front page, <clears throat> the front page and on Blu-ray. And I want to, I've watched it, uh, but so long ago, I can't re wait to rewatch it. Like just a fascinating career. It's like the stuff they were doing back then is just incredible. No, uh, but Charlie Barrick is, yeah, Judge Charlie Barrick is, if you haven't seen it, please it's watch it. It's an absolute classic. It's so good. So um, good. Maybe, maybe my favorite Don Siegel. It's just so, it's so solid. Again, another solidly made movie. Just yeah. excellent, solid, well-plotted, excellent performances all the way around. Mm -hmm. Joe Don Baker just being, you know, terrifying. A lunatic. He's a madman. Absolute madman. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> you do not want to mess with Joe Don Baker in the 1970s either. So <laughs> no, you do not. I mean, the the acting in the 70s was um, just a special, special thing. Um, what was your second trailer? The one I did not pick. <laughs> okay, so now we're gonna go back to the other, this other one I thought you might take, and I'll probably say it. And you were like, I was never gonna think of it that in a million years. But this sort of is. Keeping with Walter, not Walter Matthau, keeping with Elliot Gould, mm. rather, and uh, but also about somebody who gets brought into crime who is not normally a criminal. So, um, and uh, all this preamble to say Ocean's 12 was my next pick for a trailer. I did think of it. That was one of my backups, actually. <laughs> Yep. I want my money back. The money that your friend stole from me. $160 million with interest. I'm not the only person in the world looking for Ocean's Eleven. Huh. We need a job. We need a high-paying job. Now we're too hot to work anywhere in this country. Where are we going? You're doing recon work on our anniversary? Taz. And you are Mr. Miguel Diaz. What's your name? Craig. Greg. Let me ask you something. Do you have safe deposit boxes here? It's not my nature to be mysterious. But I can't talk about it, and I can't talk about why. Um, again, just another great performance. Like, when I remember, you know, when you saw Ocean's Eleven, and you see some of the other people that he cast, um, you know, like Elliot Gould, and, and you're just like, he's, you're like, oh, Elliot Gould, he's so great. Why isn't he in a million things? Hmm. You know, um, and uh, so I wanted to do Ocean's 12, though, because that's when Julia Roberts really gets kind of uh, is asked to play Julia Roberts and gets sort of brought into their shenanigans. So uh, I love the series. I'm sort of an, un, you know, I'm unapologetically into the Ocean's movies. I saw the original Ocean's, Ocean's 11 as well a few times, and it's such a hangout movie. It's not a great film, Ocean's 11, the original Ocean's 11. Um, it is like a fun hangout movie. Yeah. But it has one of the best ending shots of any movie of all time. It's incredible if you haven't seen it. Um, it's such an incredible shot because it's all of them walking along, uh, you, know, uh, the, the, you know, in Las Vegas on the street and passing the Sands, which has Frank Sinatra and, and Sammy Davis Jr. and all Dean Martin, all of them on the marquee. Yes. So it's just such an amazing like ending shot. It's just it's completely a mic drop moment from Frank Sinatra and everybody. But most of the movie is them like hanging out in hotels, like just chatting with Anne Margaret. There's not a whole lot that's going on outside of the few times they decide to do something. And Ocean the Oceans movies to me are just like they're fun hangout movies. They're solid, they're fun, they're a good time. Um, if, if you don't think about them too hard, I think they're a lot of fun. If you start thinking about them too much, if you start getting really upset with some of the accent work that's in there, <laughs> you know, it's maybe a bit dodgy, but that's, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you know, that's certainly less for the, on the American side. I think, I think we're, you know, we, we love Dick Van Dyke's performance and, you know, and Mary Poppins. We had no problem with it. I saw that a million times as a kid. And I was like, look at him. He can do anything. Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Um, no, I, that's how I thought British accents were for a very long time was because of Mary Poppins. When I actually heard, when I heard a real one, I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound anything like it. Yeah, I think shortly thereafter, I probably saw My Fair Lady and I was like, oh, 
That's not quite what Dick Van Dyke does, but yeah. whatever. Who cares? Like, I'm a kid. I don't, you know. Yeah. I'm sure it's a regional thing. And then, no, no, it's not. It's his own special brand of of um, whatever he's doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Americans can, there's a lot. Of, we can't do British accents very well. <laughs> a lot of American actors just can't do it. Uh, it's a surprisingly hard accent to nail because you think it's like a broad thing, but it's actually, yeah, same with American accents. Like, I can always tell when a British, like, as much as I love, um, Benedict Cumberbatch, his American accent, as I'm just like going. It's not great. It's not great. You're doing all regions at the same time and it doesn't work. Yeah. It's his Doctor Strange is like, I love them. I enjoy the movie, but it's yeah. like his his accent. I'm like, it, it's a bit of a struggle. It's a bit yeah. of a struggle. And and I think, you know, for Don Cheadle, who's an incredible actor, and I don't think, you know, him as an actor is any less. But when he's doing that accent, I was like, I think you gave yourself a harder task than you maybe even needed to because doing an english accent you would have been fine doing a cockney accent is maybe something a bridge too far yeah. that you didn't need to do so but you know i mean you know good job trying and the fact is it's still fun the movies are a lot of fun no it and is I, still really really fun um and that's kind of what you want from an oceans movie you want to be at, it's that yes because soderbergh just caught the 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 hangout vibe just perfectly and he's like yeah i'm just gonna keep yeah. making hangout movies i'm like yes please <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean and if there is a lot of cool stuff he does stylistically mm. i think for 12 to uh you know they go to amsterdam which i live uh, in amsterdam briefly so so you know there's there's stuff about that that i also kind of enjoy the second one uh, a lot i think the third one i i know even the la the least um but um this one's just you know a regular person getting involved in crime and uh the fact you also have the elliot gould factor i had to go oceans 12. yes yes you did um okay for my final trailer i am going actually i'm going for back to british crime but i'm going to go for cash on demand from 1961. this is the habersham branch of the city and colonial bank in a quiet provincial town where nothing ever happens but about 10 o'clock on the morning of December the 23rd, as these doors are open for business, the most startling, terrifying two hours of this man's life will commence. I walk into this bank this morning, hand a card over the counter, and immediately I'm shown in here and left alone with Fordyce. I could have stuck a gun in his ribs as soon as the door closed. If I may say so, sir, you don't look much like a gunman. What does a gunman look like? Like this? Don't do anything for us. They'll die if you move or say a word. What is it you want? Mm -hmm. Just some money. Oh, yes. It's a yeah, little hammer film. It's literally just a two-hander between Peter Cushing and Andre Morel. Two, well, Peter Cushing definitely, but two hammer regulars. I was not expecting to see one of Peter Cushing's best performances in this hour. Wow. Movie. He is amazing in this. Um, essentially, Andre Morel tricks his way into a bank pretending he is a higher up. Uh, and then so you get this Peter Cushing, who's a very sort of Scrooge-like character, sucking up to him until he realizes that Andre uh, Morel is there to rob the bank and he also has his family hostage. And just the mechanics between the two people, uh, those two, how they relate to each other, just reminded me a little bit of how Cushing and, uh, not Cushing, um, Plummer and uh, Gould kind of relate to each other. Like, trying to maybe up one each other but maybe not not as much as in silent partner but yeah i was blown away by this movie this is so good 
Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see this because some something I've been trying to do is watch more Hammer films. Mm. I think my knowledge of Hammer films is, I mean, my knowledge of it is is next to nothing. Mm. I barely, you know, started watching a few. I just just saw uh, the Curse of Frankenstein and Revenge of Frankenstein. I've just barely sort of mm. started in, and I'd seen a lot of them as they played in American TV you know, bits and pieces of it. And I was always like, what are, what are these British, like they're all the universal monsters, like, but uh, they're so good. And I, I just started, dive, you know, diving into it. And I've heard of this one and have not seen it. And I'm like, I, I would love to, I, I need to see this one because uh, even just seeing as little as I have, Peter Cushing is just like incredible, uh, such a different Frankenstein than I had ever seen. And I'm like, I think I think of him in Star Wars, you know what I mean? That's really like my touchstone with him, to be honest, which is, um, I guess doesn't say great things about me, but that's, that's what I, that's how I think of him, you know? And, and like, he's such a phenomenal actor. Like there's, I really want to, uh, I've got like a whole set of hammer stuff and I just can't wait to watch more of it. And I'm not sure cash and demand is a part of it. So I, I've got to track this down. Yeah. You can get it through as an indicator disc if you want. I think it's on a few other things as well, but it's definitely out there. It's one of the more, uh, thriller movies because Hammer was actually just going to be a studio. It wasn't just meant to be this horror kind of studio. Right, it turned out right. that way because that's the stuff that made money for them was sure, like Dracula's sure. and Frankenstein's. But they did kind of make these kind of weird like pirate movies and, and little thrillers. And this is a tiny little thriller like early in the run. And yeah, you're just watching it. I'm like, going, this is so good. Peter Cushing's so good in it. And yeah, it's um, I I love Hammer. Like um. I sort of watched Star Wars so often and then like 10 years ago got into Hammer and then went back and watched Star Wars and went, wait, Peter Cushing's in Star Wars? Since when? (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't actually just, you'd always been that guy in Star Wars. I hadn't actually associated with anything else. And then all of a sudden realizing Peter Cushing's in Star Wars, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. He, yeah, he's so good. He's such an amazing performer. He's just, uh, again just sells it so straight and he's just so like you can't help but want to watch him like he's just you know i I think he's great and and that's one thing another thing i wanted to do is not just i started diving into some of the frankenstein some of the draculas but i want to see the other range of stuff that they've done and i know i have a few of those but i you know i know they didn't just do the 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 monster stuff so i'm really excited to get into some of that stuff because i think there's 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 a ton that i have not seen so there's a lot um, I only just started getting into the non-monster stuff because I'm just like, going, well, I could watch another Frankenstein or another Dracula or something. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to get it be good and trying to go into the different little areas of May because they did make a lot of lot of stuff. But yeah, so I guess with that, we're going to go and get into the silent partner from 1978. Holy crap. Um... Where are you? silent partner who are you and what do you want from me i am not a cop if that's what you're afraid of a crime of sheer genius that builds to a climax of sheer terror he doesn't suspect not at all he will tell me soon when the telephone rings the terror begins hello hello Yeah, so we were trying to go back and to figure out sort of where your relationship with Elliot Gould, but when did you actually uh-huh. see The Silent Partner? So, like I said, I when I was in college in San Francisco, I worked at a little 
tiny video store. It was like a tiny chain in the Bay Area. They had a couple stores, but they were, I think, individually owned. And so I, um, so it was one of those little mom and stores where I had a key. And so like, I, I would go in and work, like, you know, I'd open it, open it up. If somebody locked it or I could lock it, I'd lock it at the end of the night. But I would go in and just work by myself. And I would just, you know, rent movies and watch movies. And I just started just, you know, watching all the Hal Ashby movies, you know. Um, why that's, uh, that's when I first saw uh, The Long Goodbye yeah. and started watching all the, like, Altman stuff and just sort of diving in and being like, wow, Elliot Gould is incredible. And I just think of him as a different kind of actor, as I said. So that was when I first saw it. So it had been a long time. And when it came out on Kino Blu-ray, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I gotta pick that up because I haven't seen that in forever. And my memory of it was not huge because it had been such a long time. And not that it was been so long since I was in college, but I mean, if there were other substances in my brain at that time when I was working in that video store, it could be very likely that there was, <laughs> that there was other things that maybe I wasn't working 100% sober. Is all I can say. Um, <laughs> and I was perhaps indulging um, just a little bit before I got there on my shift and would sort of forget uh, uh, some things. So that was the first time I saw a Silent Partner and then um, got it and, you know, presented it to you because I was like, boy, I really want to see it. I remember really liking it, but there are certain things I couldn't remember about it. And I have seen it, I think, three times since now. Like, yeah. I have I loved it. I love it so much. Um, and so that's when I first got into it and first saw the movie. And this is your first time watch for you? No, this is the second. I think I okay. probably heard it on Pure Cinema again, something like that. And all I heard okay. the words was Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer is a dressed in Santa Claus. And I'm like, I am going to find this movie. And yeah, I think I saw it on the Kino Lorber disc because I've got one downstairs, some sort of, I can't remember which Blu-ray it is. Um, and... Uh, but no, I watched it on YouTube first and then went, okay, I'm buying this disc, got the disc and then um, watched it again. And it's just one of those movies that I was like going, oh my God, one, I cannot, someone made this. Okay, actually, yes, it makes sense because this is Canada in the late 70s and this is one of the first um, uh, under the tax exempt law they made. Right, right. Um, even though it won a bunch of Canadian movie awards at the time, like this was a well-received Movie. Yeah, it did well in, in yeah. Canada. It was not a very huge movie in America. No, and it yeah. barely played in America. And it, then it was hard to find. Like, when it got released on Blu-ray, like, it honestly was, you couldn't, if, you know, I was, I'd almost forgotten about it. I was like, oh, right. Because it just isn't available. You know, it's, no, it was. I hadn't heard of it. And so, yeah, sort of, I sound like one of those movies I needed to track down. And then you watch it, and then it just proceeds to get, it's, again, it's a really solid movie, but because Christopher Plummer is a complete madman in it. It just proceeds oh. to get crazier and crazier and yeah. crazier and tense and more tense and more tense. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, John Candy has his own weird side plot going yeah. on at the bank. And yes. then yes. Kind of I completely out. forgot about John Candy <laughs> that he was in it. I totally forgot he was in this movie until I watched it again. I was like, right, John Candy was in this. Holy shit. I completely forgot. He's great. But I'm like, oh, he's God, so great. Shit, John Candy's in this. And. Oh. His poor sad life, though. He's going to be perhaps raising the child of someone else. Yes, I don't, it's yes. the whole, there's a whole subplot there. That whole subplot is insane. Like, 
I kind of love how the only person in the doesn't he work in the bank is Susanna York. Like she's the well, she's the one who's doing paperwork and on the phone and seems to be doing at least busy work. Everyone else is just perving at everyone else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're just well, but she's hooking up too with the bank manager who's married. So she's this is you know. This is a very horny movie, and then you add. <laughs> she manages to also get work done, though. Is your point? And yes, I agree. Yes. She's the only one who's who's hooking up, but also getting stuff done. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's a very horny bank, and then you add Plumber into the mix, which then makes everything so goddamn wrong. But no, it's just one of those kind of, and I love the plot. I mean, this is written by uh, Curtis Hansen, of course, the great yeah. Curtis Hansen, who went on to um, hand the box. Who got to start in New World? New. Oh, did he? Well, his first directed movie was Sweet Kill, which is a New World New World Pictures that released earlier in the earlier in the seventies. Yeah. And this was another movie he wanted to direct. So this was one he had actually wanted to direct, and didn't get a chance to. But he wrote the script. But he did uh, come in and do some did pickups and uh, stuff like that at the end, and was the director because the director walked away for uh, because he didn't want to shoot the the fish tank sequence. Oh, that was apparently very controversial at the time. Yeah, because... he did not want to do that. Yeah. And so I'm not sure if Curse Hansen was the one that shot that shot. Um, the commentary on the disc, they they're not 100%. But he did come in and was the guy throughout the editing. So this yeah. does yeah. have a very Curse Hansen kind of feel to it. It really does, because it is really kind of, it's really twisty and turny in the sense that, um, as I said, I love the plot. I love the plot of this guy who's trying to rob this bank um elliot gould who's the teller figures it out so he kind of already hides the money before christopher Plummer as dodgy santa can actually do it um and then of course because christopher Plummer's is a sociopath he wants the money back and it's kind of this great cat and mouse game um of even who's the cat and who's the mouse um game of trying to get the money back and then um, when you even because he ends up stealing even more because he's yeah. taking so much of that money and putting it in his little lunch Superman lunch pail. Yeah. That like I love that scene where Christopher Plummer hears the number of the amount of money that was stolen because he's like that's not the money I got. Yeah. That, you know, it's like that's money? a lot. That's a lot of money. I didn't get that much money. You yeah. know. And it still isn't even that much money. I'm like, I, it's. I think it's like you know you got to think in the end. Uh, Ellie Gould's got maybe $45,000. Yes. No, the, the money that they're squabbling over for the, the extent that it's happening doesn't seem that like a lot of money. I think even when some, I think even Elliot Gould says to Plummer near the end, it's not that much money. I mean, I right. don't know why you're making yes. a big deal out of this. And of course, Plummer does the, it's the principle of the thing that was meant to be money. Sure. Um, but yeah, they do actually make that point, which I think. He, he says it too to Susanna York. He also because she says keeps yeah, pestering yeah. about what would you do if you'd had that money. Yeah. And he yeah. says like it's not a ton of money, so you couldn't live on it forever. Mm. But he said it. But it maybe would buy me a second chance. Yes. And that's one of the moments where I feel like he's being absolutely honest. Oh. And he's actually that's what he that's why it's so important to him, because it's just a way to start over, and he would have some money to start over. Yeah, because you're right, actually. Um, because in this movie, Ellie, you never Elliot Gould is never particular is never honest character. He's kind of like an almost like an unreliable narrator, even though yeah. not necessarily from his point of view. But he's this kind of dodgy guy who works at a bank and he's probably been going. I hate my job. I want to move. I want a new life. Or I just want a new start, not a new life. Yeah. He gets he finds this thing, gets an opportunity, and then realizes, hang on, I could actually work this to my advantage. And um, get 
get away with this. And so he's, you can tell he's maybe been thinking about it for a little while. And then it comes to the opportunity when um, it's Plummer who rob, tries to rob the bank. So no, I kind of only got it on this watch. It's like, oh yeah, um, Gould's got a lot going on behind the eyes that you don't always necessarily get on the first watch. You think he's reacting, but he's not so much. He's kind of instigating and kind of already planning way before this movie even starts. Yeah, I, I, what, that's what I think is so great about this movie is that there's so there's so much of it is told sort of quietly. Yeah. And told without dialogue. And Gould is very lonely. His character, uh, Miles Cullen, is like lives alone in an apartment, a nice apartment, mm. um, but lives alone. He's really into exotic um, saltwater fish. You're and really into, like, really into it that seems to be his one thing and i guess playing chess by himself mm. those seems to be his biggest you know uh he's got a lot of books but i don't know what else he's really into mm. and he has a nice tv particularly for the late 70s yeah. but i was like i don't i don't you know we're not in the video era so i'm not sure like what he you know what he does for fun mm. but he, you know he's sort of by himself he works at this bank but he's kind of on his own you know he, he just seems like such a lonely person that like, when he decides to do this crime, you're so like, what, wait, what is he doing? What's, you know, even when he gets the lunch pail out and he's, like, looking at how the different loonies are looking inside the, uh, and uh, I hope that's, loonies is the correct word yeah, for a $10 yeah. bill. But anyway, when he's looking at, like, the, the, the different money in there, you're like, what, are, what is he doing? What is he planning? You know, like, you don't, that's what I think is so, what just draws you in on this movie is because you don't know what exactly he's thinking or doing. And, mm. You know, and you don't, you only get a little bit of his background. But you don't know, like, what is he trying to do? And the fact that he thought, you know what, I could steal this money while he's coming in to steal, and he probably will try again, is, you know, you never hear that. You never hear that said. Mm. But that's clearly what was going through his mind, and I love that. I love that we don't get it all laid out for us. I love that we're just fi we're looking at him figure this out. Yeah. We're watching him figure it out in his head, and it's so compelling. Like, it's... I love that part about this movie. It's, 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 and it is like a lot of these other heist movies where you do have a lot of quiet stuff happening. Uh, it almost reminded me of like the beginning of like the mechanic, you know, the um, Charles Bronson movie that opens oh, with like 20 minutes of like no, yes. no dialogue whatsoever, but he's less methodical. Cause he's like trying to figure out if he can even what he, if he can even do this. And if he's even correct, yeah. you know, if he's right about this particular person being somebody who might want to, to rob the bank. I just, it, it, there's so much about this movie that is just, I just, I'm absolutely floored and, 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 and like love. It's just, his performance is just fantastic. I absolutely adored Ellie Gould in this. And I love that it leaves yeah. you up for a lot of interpretation of what you think he's trying to do or what kind of person he could be. Because he's a little bit more of a blank, a little bit more of a blank slate because you don't, he doesn't talk to tons of people. And when he starts talking to people, he kind of knows they're up to something, so he's not exactly telling exactly what's on his mind. And even as interludes with Suzanne York, where he's, maybe he's into her, maybe he's not. I wasn't 100% always sure because it, they, he keeps having to change his story due to what's happening with this whole robbery. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's just great. It's, a, it's such a great little, like, twist and turns. Well plotted out. I guess this is also the third time they made this movie based on this book. So... May, I don't know if you, that was going to ask if you had seen the movie before. No, it's it called, was it was a European movie or yeah, I believe it's a Dan, it was a Danish movie. Danish, yes, I only just found out there was a remake of a Danish. Yeah. Oh, I, I would it's like called, to. I would like to. Yeah, that. yeah, mm. yeah. It's called Think of a Number. I think that was the name of the book. 
those it's in Danish, not in not English, but I think it's a translation. And I think that the movie I've seen a trailer for it, but it's all in Danish and there's no subtitles. But I have I don't know I don't know where you can find it. Yeah, I would be I, fascinated to see the difference between the two. Yeah, because uh, European movies, especially European, say, heist or con movies, tend to be a lot more quiet just by design. I mean, we saw that with Loophole. As much as a Britain thinks it's not Europe, it's still very European. Um, and it's... <laughs> despite, and it's despite, despite Brexit. Despite Brexit. <laughs> you guys just love too close to each other not to... Yeah. Um <laughs> And yeah. it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of this weird thing of, um, so you do get these very kind of quiet, kind of Rafifi-esque, kind of just get to the point, a little bit more thing, subtle heist movies um, than, say, in the States or in Australia or everything that, where everything has to be kind of loud. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. The Silent Partner kind of goes into that, even with, because um, when I first watched it, I was all Christopher Plummer, just because he's giving the bigger performance. And he's, oh my gosh, yeah. He's, he's a lunatic. I mean, I only noticed this time around he's wearing makeup through a lot of it, but it's badly yeah. done. Like, I think they're trying to code him in some way because it's 1978 and kind of whatever. But at the same time, it looks like he, like when I put on makeup, like I don't quite know what I'm doing. Um, and it looks kind of like one eyelash is longer <laughs> than the other. And it's not, it's not a thing that I should really be doing. But anyway, um, so it kind of looks like that, which gives him this off-kilter look. And then yeah. um, he's wearing those freaking chains. And I, whenever I see Nicholas Palmer, any kind of naked, I'm upset. Like there's this movie called Eyewitness from 1981 where he's just also in tidy whities And I yes. get very upset whenever I see this man naked. He's one of my favorite actors, but I don't like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he's got the long fingernails. Yes. He's got these fake eyelashes, yeah. and he's even got eyeliner at some point in time. And it looks like he's got, like, a little rouge on his cheeks yeah. at some, certain points. Which sort of ends, sort of like they, they pay off on that a little bit at the end. Hmm. But they don't, again, they don't really explain any of that or go into any detail. They're very, they're very subtle little touches. But he is such a madman. The, speaking of, that scene where he's in the sauna. Oh, my God. That's such a... Oh my gosh, that's very disturbing. It feels like it comes out of nowhere. Yes, he's listened to the police report and he finds out he didn't get all the money. And then this poor woman walks in um, and they're starting to get it on. And then all of a sudden he just starts beating the living shit out of her. And yeah. it is such a terrifying moment because that anger comes out of nowhere. And again, that pays off with the fish tank scene because For sure. that scene For is sure. brutal. Um, like I was even without without that, the fish tank scene would have been completely egregious. But yeah. because you have that scene in the sauna, but I wanted to ask, I I don't know of anything like this I've ever come across in the states. Mm. But he's in a bar at first when that woman comes in. Then he's inside of a sauna, which is inside of a gym, because when he leaves, he's inside of a gym. But he's in the sauna with like a glass of whiskey. I'm like, is there a bar? Does Canada or specifically Toronto have? bars that are in the front of like an actual gymnasium in the back so you could have a few drinks but then you could go back and get a steam and just enjoy another glass of whiskey and then if you wanted to leave or if you wanted to go out and just you know pump some weights for a while like i was like what is this setup it's what very, a weird it feels very canadian but very weird like yeah i would love to know as well because i don't understand right. that setup i was like did he go to a different place is the time right. no but he has a whiskey yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's he's like, I'm having a drink. He's like, do you mind? Hey, you want to have it? You were having a drink. Do you mind coming back with me to my gym and just 
hanging and having a drink with me in the sauna? Like, I don't, I don't, what is, how did that all work? Yeah, <laughs> it's in one place? I don't understand. I don't understand either. It's um kind of one of those weird things when you can like, this, no, this is a low, low budget movie. Um, It's a, but it's got the kind of thing of like, oh, we just found this location, so we'll just use all of it. And it would be freaky if he was in a sauna, even though he's having whiskey and it's near a gym with a bar. And I'm just like going, this whole layout, I don't understand. Feels very Canadian just to combine everything into one thing, but right. I, don't, I don't particularly understand it. Yeah, and is it like a common thing to go to a bar and then you're in a bar, but you're like, you're Canadian, so you feel bad and you're like apologizing to yourself. And you're like, I feel bad I had this drink and I'm going to apologize to myself by going to a sauna and just sweating this out because okay. I'm just, I feel bad for my, that I've done this to myself. And I mean, just like, this is like an odd, you know, it's an odd, normally you do one or the other. It's an odd thing to just sort of do in combination with the same person. Yes. Even if in the end, and certainly at the end, when you he beats the hell out of her, is just ultimately just disturbing. But I was also like, how does this, is this a common Canadian thing to just have a drink in esteem? Yes, <laughs> just, please, just, Canadians, just... let us know. Drink in esteem. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah. Is this a normal thing for you guys? I'm just very curious. I mean, curious. The, the beating up part I don't, I know is not common, so I'm not suggesting that. But... No, that is not common. That is very particular to this particular character. Um, I've not yet able to go on to the facials of Canada. And when I do, I will definitely be asking, right, is there a steam in the back of this bar? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can I have my drink back there? Is that okay? Is that okay? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, it's, it's, I'm, I'm all good. Um, I brought a towel. I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, this is the land that has poutine. I'm sure there's other weird combinations going yes, on. Yes, there's got to be. There's got to be. Um, but yeah, no, I think yeah, you're right. You do need that scene of that insane, just out of the blue violence. So when you do get to the fish tank scene, you're just not like going, where did that come from? Like right, you already know right. what this guy is capable of. So as soon as he's in the apartment with her, um, you are instantly worried for her because you're like, oh, this is not going to go well because the same question of where's the money is going to come up again. Right. And um, I love that plot line with her. I can't remember the um, actor's with name. Celine Lomez, the, the woman Lomez. that, yeah. Like, who's like a French Canadian actress who yeah. did a lot of stuff in Canada, but it didn't do a, a whole lot more like, like didn't do any other U S movies or anything. Yeah. So, but she, I thought she, she was also terrific in this she's movie. Amazing. Just the way, because yeah. as soon as, because Elliot Gould's having enough of, you know, a plumber's um, shenanigans of like, I love the whole setup with the, the telephone booths right outside his window. So they can kind of talk to each other. Oh. So amazing and creepy. So um, tense. Just yes. looking out that window, like uh, Elliot Gould plays that so well. It would be so, and again, that scene in the sauna, like makes you think when he's calling him, you're like, Oh dude, you don't want to mess with that guy. No. <laughs> like, at the, at the, 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 um, the mail slot in the door and he's looking up. You're like, Oh, oh no. This is not good. And this is the That is one of the creepiest <laughs> images. That is so creepy. And he's just piled a, a chair and a table and other chairs like in front of the door. Yeah, and he just yeah. lifts up the mail slot. You're like, this guy is right in your business, man. That is scary. He's not I loved it. anywhere. But no, I do love her coming in um, when he's gone to prison for the first time. Um, and she's just kind of sneaking into his life like she brings him booze in the park she helped her his um ailing father and you kind of even though i've seen this before and i know where it goes i keep forgetting that she's connected to plumber like i'm like 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she's a she's a bit young for him, but you know it's the it's the seventies, okay. Um, and like she takes him, he takes him to the wedding. Like he actually, you feel like he may want a connection with her. Um, yeah, like yeah, I totally thought he had a connection, connection with her. Yeah, like he generally likes her. It's not because of mm-hmm. anything else. And then to have that moment when she you find out that she's working for Plumber, and it's like, oh no. <laughs> Well, I, I rewatched, well, I watched it several times, but I oh, I wanted to go back and rewatch that scene in the park because when yeah. she comes into the park and just sees him and she's met him at, at his dad's funeral. Yeah. And again, this, this movie is so tightly done. So much of it is so well done because he, he has only one scene where he visits his, he visits his dad. Mm. But it's so important for the relationship he has with Celine Lomez. Yes. Because then when she comes in, I watched it to see what would what, what, what the expression is on... Um, uh, on Ellie Gould's face because they leave the camera on his face. Because mm. she turns, she says, "Oh yeah, uh, you you came here with your park with your dad." And he's like, "Yeah, I used to come here. Like, he used to take me here all the time." Mm. And she's like, "Yeah, I know. He told me that." And he said, "He told you." And you you remember like his dad was completely comatose yeah, and was just sort of like didn't say a word and he just sort of hung out with him and said goodbye to him. And his father didn't even look at him and didn't change his expression. And they hang the camera behind Celine Lomez and on Ellie Gould's face for that entire thing, just to mm. get his expression. And he doesn't do much. He 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 doesn't do much at all because everything's understated for Ellie Gould in this movie. But I think that's the moment where he goes, "Okay, mm. you're putting me on." Yeah. And yet he still takes her to the wedding. You know, they go out to eat. Uh, you know, he, you know, he's. I think he's still falling for her, but he knows that she's up to no good. And that's the moment he knows. Yeah, that is actually true. Like, they don't overplay that scene at all. Like, I didn't even click to that. Because you're right, you see the father, he's completely comatose. Um, Unless he did, like, a silent night, deadly night, you better run, boy, to Selena. I don't (laughs) think that's, you know, a thing. Um, And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right in that. That because Elliot Gould is playing everything so close to the chest, he knows he's up to something. But at the same time, he is generally falling for her. Like, um, yeah. And it's got to be his face. I love the face when he finds her body. I mean, well, he finds her head first, which is like Jesus Christ. And But then, because the first thing he has to do is he knows he can't call the police. He knows he, he's in a bit of, he's in a very awful situation, but he has to hide this body of a person he generally cared about. And then you just get this mm-hmm. amazingly hilarious scene when he's trying to take the body wrapped in a rug downstairs. And this guy who's like delivering, um, is it newspapers or something yeah. else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trips over it. And you're like, oh God, is he going to look? No, no, he's not. Okay, yep. it's all good. It's, it's, and he's hanging, <laughs> and he's hanging off the, the back stairs. Yes. It's like, it has to drop like, and then it hurts his leg. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh my God. It's, oh my, the script is, oh my God. Kurt, Kurt it's so tight. Is, it's yeah, so we, tight, it's so well done. We did I, appreciate you when we had you. I mean, it's <laughs> everything about this movie relates to one another, apart from the, some of the weird Canadian layouts of like drinking a steam. Um, <laughs> right, right. Everything else makes sense. Everything is set up at the beginning. So there's no kind of, oh my God. I mean, even when he's having the conversation with Plum and he's like, oh my God, your girlfriend died and now you hurt your leg. And kind of this like mocking, awful tone. And they're sort of having that conversation. And even then, Elliot Gould's keeping everything close to the chest. You think he's going to give in. and But he goes, no, you have to come to the bank. And that's kind of, you know, like, oh, no, he's got something else planned. Like, he, he's pretending that he's giving up. But um, he's like, it's like, no, I need you to come to the bank because I have something else up my sleeve. And uh, he yeah, he, that whole thing that takes 
Yeah. He takes Plummer out of the whole work too, and and steals the the the, the van in front of the like the market, and then parks it in front of his apartment. When he when, like follows him, like all that stuff is like I just thought was so great because he's just he's a bank teller. He doesn't know how to do all this stuff, and this guy is so dangerous. So dangerous. I mean, yeah. And then, you know, and when he gets Plummer locked up for, you know, a crime that eventually he gets released for because they, they, they don't really have anything on him. And that's when the Celine Lomez part starts in earnest. And it's just such a, it's, I don't know. I, I just was like so on board for all this. Like, and then, then you find out she's up to no good. It's like he can't escape because you look at Lowell in the sense of like, okay, he's behind bars. Elliot Gould's kind of got this going. Mm. It's working out. Then he loses the keys. Okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> that poor housekeeper. I didn't throw her anything good. <laughs> I also was like, man, you can have a housekeeper like for your apartment back then? <laughs> okay. It's like, wow. That's like uh, not a common thing. No. Um, not, not in the rental agreements these days. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not a service that a lot of buildings provide. Um, but yeah, and, and then he has to use her, like you're saying, she brings her into the bank to help him be able to get that, hmm. uh, money out. And she wears that amazing wig. Oh, uh, glasses. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. That's actually a really intense scene that also I thought was kind of tense because they're, they're trying to pull something off here. Hmm. And because she's been seen by, um, Susanna York at, at the, at the wedding. Yes. And yet she's kind of laughing. And so it's like there's comedic touches to that scene, even though it's really tense, which I thought was really, really well done. Yeah, and plus all the other guys in the bank are just instantly drooling over her, even in that wig. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, I'd like to take her deposit. Um, which goes to show that no one in this bank does any work. No, no one. No one. Yeah, the horniest bank you've ever been to. Or maybe all banks are this horny. And we just didn't, We this was telling us, we didn't know. But no, maybe banks are just a generally horny place to work. Who knows? But yeah, and it's this, it's you're really all that money. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. That's all I have sex, guys. Yeah, all this crazy. money's making me feel real horny. <laughs> <laughs> all those Benjamins or whatever the um, Canadian dollar's called. I, I forget. Um, and it's just, it, yeah. And, but then when, as soon as Su Susanna York comes back to the, um, to the bank that's when you realize oh they're trying to pull something off because before then it's just really funny you have all the guys goofing around she's laughing he's trying to go no you have to be serious and i'm going to be saying all the right things really loud and how the, the whole thing with the key and everything like that it's just yeah it's a really well done scene and you but yeah it, and then you realize oh no wait they're trying to pull something off because Susanna york has seen her so they need to do this in a certain way and then he yeah. takes her make sure she doesn't go into the bank so she can sneak out and kisses her and it's all uh, all a uh, make sure she goes to lunch so they have an hour and yes. i mean they're up again he's literally up against the clock watching the clock she's yeah. goofing off yeah. this is hilarious i love he tries to like she tries to like put the money in her purse like it's just you know um then the guy's like those are your letters you know <laughs> like, wrapped up in those napkins like yeah. There's so much, I just, ah, oh, this movie, it's so good. There's so many good stuff in it and so many good performances. Yeah, um, as we said, it's like uh, John Candy's in this and he's giving an amazing performance, even though, and he's got his own storyline going completely on, but everyone else in the bank is doing this. Everyone else is really good. And I mean, I love the the bank manager who's such a douche nozzle. I mean, which is perfect oh. for a bank manager, but just that speech he gives toward the end when he's like, 
um, writing uh, Gould up and he goes, money is the most important. Uh, this money, banking is the most important thing in the world and your attitude must reflect this. I'm like, since when? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, my attitude has never been, this is the most important thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that the uh, managers that are like, you don't seem so committed to banking. Like yes. you, your head's not in the bin. You aren't. I mean, I I don't know where he got that because Illy Gould seems to be such a blank slate all the time. But like, yeah, yeah that that was like something I I was like I feel like I've been told that by various bosses in my life that Me like too. you just don't seem as into this thing that you're in you're doing for money and yeah. just for a living. <laughs> you know, it's like this, is, this is a job. I will. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Be, this is not. Yeah, this is what I do to yeah. get paid. <laughs> right. And I'm not sure what it is that I'm supposed to be doing that you think I'm not doing. Like, it's yeah. just such a funny conversation to have. But um, It did feel very random, but yeah, because right, he's such a blank slate. So he's yeah. either not pretending not to work or do, do his job, but he's just, he's very more polite and everything else than enthusiastic, but he doesn't get really that enthusiastic about anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you uh, thought that he, you know, is kind of into Celine uh, Lomez because I really thought um, that th this was the situation that was going to work out. Obviously, there's, there's a scene that sort of um, definitely uh, says their relationship is probably not going to go any further. <laughs> and, um, but, um, but I really thought he was into her. And it's like, you, because you don't know, because he plays, uh, you know, it keeps his, the cards close to his vest. We don't really know what's going on. I was always like, I, I, I almost felt like he was more into Celine Lomez than he was Susanna York, but I don't know, because anytime he tried to have some sort of romance with her, like initially, mm. when he starts kissing her on his couch, like that's when he gets his first call from Christopher Plummer, and he knows that that's the guy, but he can't make any, he can't make it appear that yes. he knows, so he just has to kind of say, oh, we've been drinking, you should go, and like, and then at that point, she's like, forget you then, you yes. know? Um, she has that killer line then when she says, um, uh, I don't understand you and I don't think I want to know why. I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to. Yes. I think it says, I'm, I'm, I'm killing the line, but it's a great line. Um, it's better in the movie. Uh, but, uh, and, and so, but I really thought he was into her. Did you get that sense too? Like Celine Lomez and them. Um, yeah, it was kind of confusing because you think, I think he is into York as well. And then he meets Selena and then he's like, oh, well, I'm into you. So every single time, but I never quite knew with Susanna York because um, I think it's yeah. what he is, but she's also having the affair with the bank manager. So it's kind of like, okay, well, I've got other things to worry about and um, she's with him. So when I can be with someone, it's Selena, who I know I probably shouldn't trust because she's having me on and she's not particularly, she's let herself slip a little bit. But when... I keep uh, Relic, uh, can't remember his character's name, Relic comes back for the money. Um, she won't tell him, even though she fully knows where it is. So I don't know whether her allegiance swapped and they were actually deciding that they were going to try this out. And then Plummer comes in and ruins it all. Or at the end, when he realizes he can trust uh, Susanna York, um, that he's like, oh, maybe I can try it with her. But no, he's, he's, I never got him and Susanna York. I mean, they were cute. Yeah. Flirting, but yes. There was more of a yes. connection between him and him and Selena. That for me, yes. anyway, on this watch. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, in fact, I think if there's one criticism I have the movie, it's very, I'll try not to, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I don't want to like ruin it, but there's a scene between him and Susanna York at the very tail end of the movie, which I was a little like, meh. 
because I, I don't know, but okay. Because again, I wasn't sure their connection. They always were sort of cross wires, and I really feel like Celine Lomez and him had a connection. And then, you know, her last scene, Celine Lomez's last scene with with Christopher Plummer, she tells him, "I don't want anything to do with you. I'm done with you. I like him." And she sort of mentions her allegiance to Elliot Gould, but Elliot Gould never sees that. You know, he never. So. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I wonder if he felt the same way or if he had heard that from her. Yeah. You know, if any connection with Susanna York would have actually ever happened or, I mean, I guess she still isn't around, but, I mean, it just was like, I really felt more of him and Celine Lomez. Like, that that to me where I felt more connection, which is funny because they, they Gould and Susanna York instantly reunite in 1980 and falling in love again another movie so they did another movie again shortly after this oh wow so Um, it's yeah the the chemistry was a bit weird i mean they were very i loved them flirting especially at the beginning or when he's trying to ask her about okay so is there any way getting around the locksmith when he's lost his key and she's Mm -hmm. then she's just smiling and they're really cute flirting but that's kind of all it is it's just two very good looking people well elliot gould looks like a weird duck but he's got that kind of <laughs> 76 appeal about him it's like gene Hattie. yes yes um kind of thing um and they're being very very cute together but when he's with selena lope uh, when he's keep going someone else um when he's with her she is absolutely you feel that together you feel like oh no those two people actually want to sleep together they are yeah. absolutely yeah. Into each other and i do love the bit where Plummer does tell elliot oh she all she had to do was tell me where the money was and she would have lived and you would have died. And I don't know if that's the first time he figured out that um, she had sworn to, she was more on his side than Plummer's mm, mm, But then just yeah. kind of jump right back to York. I'm like going, that doesn't feel right. And I now I don't know what yeah. the whole deal is either because she's kind of, you can tell she's just there for a job, but if, like everyone is except for the manager who thinks banking is the most important thing. <laughs> Yes. Obviously. Yes. Um, I mean, clearly. Clearly, yes. Obviously, it's the most important thing. But it's kind of this kind of weird kind of thing where, yeah, I, one criticism I have for the movie is I just don't think their relationship works as well. Just mainly because you have another reference and you're like, oh, well, I can yeah. together. They're, they're, they're sweet. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear you say that because when I was listening to the director's commentary, they def, uh, which was just like a bunch of, you know, a great commentary with a bunch of uh, great, you know, film historian guys. There wasn't like an actual director or anything like that, but they, they were like so uh, complimentary of the scenes between Susanna York and Elliot Gould. And I was like, I, I mean, I saw it. I saw him trying to maybe see if something was going to happen, but it always felt like a misconnection. But I felt the connection between him and Celine Lomez. I felt like they had real chemistry. So, like, they were much more happy with the ending. And I was like, am I nuts? Basically, is what I was trying to ask you. Am I crazy for thinking that I don't know if I see no, that as well? because I think, as usual, they don't give... Even though I think Suzanne, Suzanne York is actually really good in the movie, I don't think they give oh, yeah. more to do. Um, they give her more to do than the loophole, but just not enough for me to go... Right. And I get what she's doing in that ending. Like, I get exactly what um, Gould is doing. Like, he's just trying to yeah. play one last Hail Mary to see if he can't get Plummer off his back. Just that one last. And even then, I always sort of wonder if it was a last-minute decision not to give him the money or if it was whatever. And then he pulls the final notes for the um, for the alarm to go off. By the way, I would be doing that all the time by accident, and I would keep forgetting not to. 
Yeah, forget pulling all the bills out of the drawer and, and, and setting off the alarm. Setting off the alarms that hate me. Um, and <laughs> if that's because you're not very serious about banking, Lindsay. I, I no, I'm not very serious about banking at all. I do not have the attitude required. Uh, <laughs> um, and it would just be this kind of thing. So you can kind of guess what his motivations are. And you do know that he wants the money at the end. That's his, all his end goal is to get this $48,000 so he can start again, that he can just move to a new city, set up shop and just sort of begin again. Um, and, but with Susanna York, I don't actually know what her motivations are for doing what she does. It's kind of like this, um, where did that come from? Because yeah. quite happy. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. working a job, but she couldn't seem quite happy in her life, her affair, her kind of whatever. So I don't really know why she would suddenly go, oh, I'm doing this now. I'm like, yeah. yeah. In, in my rewatches, I thought there are, she is somebody who continues to ask him about what he would do with the money. Yeah, she does. Do so that, yeah. so that yeah. made me think, okay, maybe there is something to her and obviously she's also was having an affair with a bank manager which she knows he's married so she's not totally against doing something she knows is not correct and she's not completely settled as well i mean if she's asking right. for money she's having an affair with a married man you can tell this is not a person who's trying to settle down roots right maybe um but, so, but the moments yeah. that she she's dealing with Elliot gould and he is so flighty mm. And she takes that very personally and is very, like, initially when he's so flighty, she's like, okay, forget it then. Yeah, she is. You know? Yeah. I never, and she even says to him, I didn't think we would be doing this, like making out on your couch, never saw this happening. And then we, when he pulls, like, okay, we should go because Christopher Plummer's called, she's like, you know what, forget it. Forget this guy. So I feel like she's so, she seemed to me then, she's so, like, uh, she kind of does have it together, even though she's making bad choices. Like, I felt like she really was a little bit more like, nope, I, I'm not going to handle that kind of stuff. I'm not going to yeah. handle your sort of like, you know, um, your sort of back and forth flightiness. I'm not dealing with that. That's not who I am. Yeah. But yet she does deal with that. So it's kind of an odd, you know, it's an odd thing for her character, ultimately. That's why I, I'm, I was with you with that last final note of the movie. It feels a little off. Like, yeah. it just felt like, Really, I don't. Hmm, I don't know. That connection, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's. Um, I mean, everything else up to it, I absolutely love. So that's just one small note that I was like, hmm, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's like you ended with like a, you know, a, a D minor instead of the D. You know, you just was like, he was like, oh, that fell off. That just sounded a little unusual or something. No, it's it's kind of like the. Like, I may have done the worst musical analogy of all time, but. <laughs> I don't even understand notes. This is all good for me. But no, it's like the end of Loophole, the final shot. We had the freeze frame, which I, for some reason, always irks me in a movie because it reminds yeah. me of the sitcom. Yeah. It has the, the shaking hands and the da-da-da-da-da. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it does have a bit of a corniness to it. Yeah, yeah for I'm sure. Like, did you have to end it on that note? And even though The Silent Partner definitely does not end on that note, it's sort of got that. Yeah. Same yeah. vibe about it. It's like everything's wrapped up in a bow when this is a movie that where nothing is meant to be wrapped up in a nice little bow. Yeah. Um, everything's yep. still kind yep. of left. Everything's still complicated. You still don't really understand Gould's ultimate intentions, which is what I love about it. Um, yeah. Especially compared to Plummer, who you know exactly what's going on in his head at any given time. Yeah. Causing insane violence, or he's like, give me the money, fucker, which I 
God damn, I love that line reading. Um, <laughs> and so, yes. yeah, I kind of wish that yes. the last two seconds of each movie was just a little bit more... Yeah. Um, not as tightly wound up. Like, yeah, but that's just kind of very small criticisms that I don't think that... They're, they're more nitpicks. They're just like, oh, and yeah. you edit it like two minutes off the movie. Like, yeah, they both seem to end with like a, almost like a like a a jumping in the air high five freeze frame. It yes. seems <laughs> just like they both feel they don't end literally that way, but they both you know feel that way, and it's just like that's hmm, that's I don't know, I don't know about that, I don't know about that choice. Yeah, it's just like you just stop the movie at a certain point and just go and music. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The other thing to me that I wondered what you felt about this, but there's uh, Susanna York gets a lot of like the uh, the soft focus on her a lot, yes, and so in both she, films. Yes, she does actually. I mean, Selena also gets it as well, but um, yeah, she does get it in both both movies, which is weird because she's a very attractive looking woman. I don't yeah, understand yeah. why she needed to, to do that. A weird haircut. I, I admit, I'm not a fan of the the hair, but. That haircut is like the most dated thing. It really is like that, you know. I was actually showing my uh, Erica, showing my wife the uh, Silent Partner last night, and we watched a little bit of it, and she was really into it. She wants to watch the rest of it, but I was like, check out that haircut because this was a real. Not only does she keep it for like you know loopholes, she's got the exact same haircut. This was like a, a cut that I think a lot of women yeah. were like, ooh, I gotta get that. And it is really, it's, you know, very bowl cutty and bangy and yes. not, it's like very of a time. And Let's very, just say that. I, my mother had that haircut. Like I can find photos of her with that weird bowl long cut. So, um, yeah, so even it's very much of its time and it kind of dates the movie a little bit more than um, it would have each movie. It was like women middle-aged women had it and also teen boys with blonde hair had that haircut it was like they both sort of had they all had that cut yeah. i don't know how to describe it except for what you said it's it's a bowl cut with bang with, with, with a lot of bangs it's, yeah it's um it's a thing um yeah it's movie, a real thing yeah yeah and but i don't understand why they keep using the soft focus because yes Susanna york is a very attractive woman regardless of her choice of haircut um but so i don't know quite understood they kept using the soft focus because is it because she was in her 30s and they decided that oh my god we have a woman in the 30s we need to use a soft focus right i feel it yeah or is it because um but they do it on selena and she just looks absolutely luminous because i think she would have been only what 25 26 um yeah right so it's kind of weird that they kept using it in both movies and i don't know if it was more of a oh no she's in her 30s we need to suddenly make her try and look 25 or just a gliding choice in both that was fashionable at yeah there only it's such an old school thing it's like an old school thing from you know so many black and white movies had that kind of element for their you know ingenue roles yeah. but it and so it feels like such a throwback on one hand, but on the other, I always wonder if it's, is this like a studio or a director choice where they're just wanting to make sure that we make our female star look amazing and that she looks terrific and all the audience falls in love with her. To me, it always throws me off because you'll go from a close-up of Susanna York and then a close-up to Martin Sheen or something. And it's like, oh, he's not in soft focus. So like what is just the, is the lighting on the other side of the room just real weird <laughs> on his side? It's very stark and on her side, it's sort of like soft and, and glowy. 
it's the way it throws me, and it threw me in both films. It's always something that kind of takes me out for a second, where I'm like, why, why do that? You know, I it just it always throws me off. Especially in these movies, because these movies was are seventies movies, and yeah. men in the seventies for some reason were just hairier. I don't know if men wax now or if they just evolved to lose more hair. But in the seventies, everyone was hairy as hell. Um, yeah. And especially Gould, and even well, not so much Plummer. He's a little bit. Uh, but I'm not going to get into He's that. got a little bit. He's definitely yeah. got some some chest hair there, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but it's kind of this very sort of hairy, even Gould, who's just hairy, like his massive curly hair. You can tell this is a guy who probably has to shave, shave twice a day. He's got like a... Yes, he's got permanent five o'clock shadow, yeah. Permanent five o'clock shadow. And then you get uh, Selena and um, Susanna, who were not, who were just these very beautiful women. And yeah. they even contrasted even more by having the fact that they're on soft focus and the men aren't. And I'm just like going, what, what is, what? And there seems to be like a thing in the late seventies will make us men look as manly as possible by having all the hair and the woman is delicate by giving them the soft focus. It's a very strange position, yeah. even in loophole when Martin Sheen, who's very, and Albert Finney, who are both very well put together, but they still- For sure very 70s and <laughs> <Harry>. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's something about the 70s, and I think that's why it's such a fascinating decade, because there's such a commitment to realism. Mm. And it's when you have guys like Walter Matthau or yes. Gene Hackman yes. and these yes. people that yes. just look like guys, you yeah. know, even yeah. Elliot Gould, who's, you know, a very handsome guy, but like, he's a guy, mm. you know? He's, he's just a guy. He's not, like, the most attractive guy you've ever seen, but he's the handsome, handsome enough, you know, like, but they, these were the guys that were the leads. Like we just wanted real people and they would have their real chest hair and they would just, you know, but we're still sort of treating women a little bit like, well, let's keep them in soft focus and mm-hmm. still sort of do sort of the, the things that we did in, in black and white movies back in the day for our starlets. And it's like, it just feels sort of somewhat out of place. It's like, wait, why just let the women, they're beautiful. Like, you don't need to do anything. They're, you know, they look great. You know, I mean, yeah, there's Selena Lomez and freaking Susanna York, for God's sakes. Both of them are yeah. very attractive women. Um, right. You, I mean, uh, Selena in that goddamn white dress toward the in her final scene is just, oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it just seems like a very sort of, maybe it's of its time kind of thing that they were trying to be more realistic. Um, but they have to do the certain thing when they're shooting women or... But only with the dudes. Yes, only with the dudes. <laughs> dudes are realistic. <laughs> the ladies, we still want to make sure that they're slight. And, and, you know, obviously that's in a lot of movies. There's a lot of, like, sort of male gaze and sort of, you know, we're sort of making these women look amazing in ways that the gentlemen in the audience will be like, oh, oh, yeah, you know. But um, which is another reason why I was asking, am I just falling because Celine Lomez is just so gorgeous in this? I'm like, am I just a creep that I just was like, oh, I can see why he's into her and not Susanna York or, or you know what I mean, who's also beautiful in both of these movies. But but I was like, am I just, you know, just seemingly maybe more into her um, and, and just submitting to this male gaze that's a little bit in this movie? Um, but I'm glad to hear that it's that you also have the same reaction in oh, terms of their oh, chemistry. Oh, I know. I mean, yes, the movie is definitely doing the male gazy thing way more at Selena. Um, that is just, yeah. But at the same time, I think they, especially when they're in the park and when they're just sort of talking or at the wedding and everything like that, I think, and all the way she sort of says, oh, will you come to a wedding with me? She's like, are you proposing? It's just, it's really Yes, cute. yes. Yeah, there's a nice kind of little banter going on between them and it's just yeah. really, really cute. And he's there's a way he looks, um, the camera makes sure... Elliot looks at her that he's still trying to figure her out and maybe that's why he's into her a little bit more I don't know there's still that mystery of like 
okay, so what exactly is this? Um, but with um, for Susanna York, it's sort of more, I'm into you, but I've got a creepy guy outside looking up at the window that I need to kind of <laughs> deal with right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, when, when she shows up at the park, She's showing up and she's like, hey, are you bombed? I've got a bottle of booze. There's a little bit of like that sort of male fantasy. We're like, this girl's got it all. She's beautiful. She shows up with liquor and's like, let's day drink. <laughs> you know, so, this is a lady for me. Um, <laughs> um, but just something that, yeah, that, that, that was something that I thought was a little, that sort of stuck out to me a little bit there with that. No, no, it does. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a weird kind of thing, but it is what it is. And I love both of the women in that. I think they're given, I think they're really, really good at what, it's, what they've been given to do. And I think they're yeah. able to flesh both characters out. Like, yeah, I love how Suzanne is a bit of a mystery. Like she seems very flighty in one hand because she's not a character that wants to put down roots, which is nothing wrong with that. I mean, you can be doing it. Yeah. Sure. You can kind of tell that like all these kind of people in the banking industry, except for the manager, again, banking, most important thing, <laughs> are not people who put down roots except for, Candy, who's now is John, yeah, let's say John right? Candy is definitely Candy is definitely putting down roots because he has to now. Like he's decided he's whether it's hers, it's his or not. He's now got responsibilities and he's gonna have a mm-hmm. family and all that kind of thing. But everyone else is just kind of going through the motions and just going their job and they're still at that stage where I could move somewhere else. Um, I'm not putting permanent down things, and I kind of like the notion of this. Like these people aren't they're going through their lives, living their lives, but it's not um like when you see most sort of workplace kind of dramas or whatever it's like this is what they do they are bankers therefore that's part of their personality yeah this yeah. is not it and it makes a real kind of subtle moves of showing just because gold is stealing from the bank and Susanna york is sleeping with a manager and the whole thing with candy and um god she has the best t-shirts bankers do it with interest i i, yeah. I, I <laughs> um she has a few of them really gold ones yeah um, yeah she does yeah yeah, yeah. but it's kind of yeah the, the bank is not their personality except even not the manager's one, but he's being a middle manager dickhead. And I kind of like that about it. It's yeah. a really smart way. This because again, Curtis Hanson, but it's a really smart way. The script kind of delineates who these people are, but it's not the fallback of, Oh, they work in a bank. So they must be bankers. It's not right. bad at all. Yeah. The only person who has, like you said, the only person who has that attitude is their boss, but these people all have, complicated lives yes, and yes. different lives that aren't part of their job yes yeah and that is like really refreshing and really like an interesting part of the movie like the fact that they have a crazy subplot with john candy that is very nicely and subtly like thrown in there i almost kind of missed it the first time and then the second time through i was like oh oh no john candy oh this isn't uh uh-oh you know it just has these sort of wonderful little layers and the layers of, you know, people doing really thing, real things, you know, having real weird hobbies like tropical fish and, and just, you know, just a lot of like nice, everybody has like real lives, you know, um, and, and I, I love that element of it, you know, I, I think that's what may, gives the movie like so much, it's, it's why it seems so fresh because it just seems like it's, 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 you buy into these people. You know, you really do, and you know them instantly. Me, yes, you kind of question their motives. You don't exactly know who they are, but you can kind of right. see them as a whole person, like Elliot Gould, because he has like suspicion. He likes chess. Um, you know, he wants out of what he's doing. Um, 
so it's kind of you understand those basics even if you don't necessarily understand his motivations behind everything if that makes sense yeah yeah no, no, history no. And, enough info. and it's done really yeah. deftly i mean it's not i mean all this is kind of in the background of the movie it's not even like a big plot point you just have little characters having conversations with each other and that's how you find things out it's not some exposition dump of john candy's slept with her but she's also was sleeping with someone else and now they have to get married and da 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 and this is happening and this guy's doing this and it's just literally elliot gould going to going to an aquarium to buy fish and you're like oh he's really into fish <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, uh, he carries that fish home to the bar and to home on the uh, on the subway or whatever and <laughs> Um, and it just has nice, like, little flourishes. I love the moment where he gets the postcard, and the postcard has got, oh, like, this, you know, he's got this little, you push on it, and has, like, it's just a woman in a bikini, and she makes little sexy noises. And, of course, John Candy and the other douchebag guy that he works with, um, like, make fun of him for it. But, of course, on the on the back of the card, you know it's Christopher Plummer writing him. Yeah. So it has this, like, layer of, like, oh, shit, this guy is not going to leave me alone, plus these guys are making fun of him. It's lot, lots of little nice moments like that that I just think are just, they just make the movie, like, so, they make it so rich, you know? Yeah, those like, kinds of details. Yeah, yes, and, like, those two assholes can't stop squeezing the thing. Like, they're making yeah, fun of them for right, you, but right. all they want to do is play with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, of course, they would, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, and again, it would be a very embarrassing thing to get in a workplace, particularly, be. like, sort of a stuffier environment, like a bank. Yes. Um, so, you know, but it, it's, and it's, and it doesn't linger. That's such a brief moment. There's lots of little moments like that that are really nice and brief and sort of, like, just add a lot of color and flavor to the movie, um, which I just, is what makes it, I think, so outstanding. It just has, like, lots of little real moments. Yes, um, you would probably moments. cut out maybe nowadays. You'd be like, we don't need that. You know, forget it. But yeah, but at the same yeah. time, all those moments move the plot forward. Like you yeah. have to set up the fact that um, Elliot has uh, Elliot Gould has a uh, aquarium because that's going to come into if, again. Because if you don't set up that scene with the aquarium kill, it's going to be egregious and it's going to come out of nowhere. And you're like, why are you yep. doing that to poor Selena? But because you know he has the aquarium, and even when he takes her to the wedding, which is a gorgeous scene, it's because that's moving the plot forward and even getting that little dopey postcard it's showing oh christopher Plummer isn't going to leave you alone i mean yeah. you think he's not going to stop he's not going to stop you can think you can ignore him all you want he's coming mm -hmm. and you need yeah. to deal with him um which is kind of the amazing kind of moment of how he does and it's i love how every time you think christopher Plummer is the smartest one you're like nope elliot gould has another plan up his sleeve he's i know he's gonna do it he's giving you warnings and you need to stay away from me um but plumber just won't <laughs> i mean if any if anybody watches this movie ever and makes movies and wants to take something away from it i would just say give me more scenes where we see people think yes. <laughs> that is something that is like i love seeing movies where people are thinking and i don't know exactly what they're thinking about but I know that they're thinking about something, and I'm in, interested, especially good actors. Yes. Um, you know, you, he, he, Elliot Gould just kills it at, I'm thinking of stuff, but what is he thinking about? I don't know, but I know he's thinking about something. Like, throughout this whole movie. It's, it's a very thinking movie. Same with Loophole. I mean, there's so many scenes with Martin Sheen yep. thinking about something before he says anything. Like, yeah. Um, because when he, especially when he realizes that oh these guys aren't on the level and he gets angry, you can kind of see him pausing between his indignation, where he's already gets he planted the seed of like, 
actually, I, I might need to do this. Um, Cause you know, kids need to be in my in this fancy school. Sorry, I keep going back to that. Um, but again, both movies are really thinking. They've got really great 70s actors who can think on screen. And again, yeah. I would like to, yeah, you're right. I would like to bring that back because I think it's a, um, a great thing because you can imprint so much on them. And then to have something like uh, Silent Partner, which gives you all these little tiny character details, but just not the important ones. So you still don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the moment when he puts it all together with the Santa Claus in the beginning and the G yes. and the no, I mean, I, I just felt all that was just tremendous. I'm like, you know, directors, look at that scene. If you want to start, you know, when you, when you see, we've seen a lot of uh, movies where characters figure it out or figure something out. We don't even know what he's exactly figuring out. No. Or what he's intending to do afterwards. Yeah. No, like, what was going to happen to him if if the Santa Claus never came to the bank? What does he do with that that you know little lunch pail of money? What does he do? No, like does he, I, I don't know. Does he just wait until someone else robs the bank? It's yeah. No, does right. he just put it all back in the drawer? What does he? I mean, what does he do? Like I don't. I, it's 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 like. But seeing him sort of put it together, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I get what he's putting together, but I also don't know what he's intending to do. No. After no. this, he's putting something together, but what? And what is he going to do afterwards? It's so great. I'm like, more of that, please. Find that stuff. If you're yes. going to make a movie, look at that. Like, study that. It's it's terrific. It's giving you just enough to be interested, but not giving you the whole picture. And I right. absolutely, yeah, it's so great. More thinking and more putting things together. I know Elliot Gould actually showed this to Alfred Hitchcock. Um, yeah, that's right. And, and apparently he loved it. Like, apparently, uh, which, yeah, because it has got this kind of Hitchcockian thing of doing something that's kind of Hitchcockian, but not quite, because Hitchcockian mm -hmm. will show you the bomb, but the people don't know. This is kind of like, I'm showing you that he's figured out right. the deal, but you don't know what he's going to do with it. Like, you have no idea. Okay, so he knows that's the Santa who wrote the note. You don't know. I mean, the whole thing hinges on if he's going to come back. So he kind of guesses that. Okay, so he's still hanging around, so he may come back. So I'll have my little lunch pail just in case. He just in case, yeah. 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 It's all about betting and waiting. It's not about I'm going to, like, something love, which I love, Reindeer Games, which is hinging on this one little character thing. But And if you don't do it, the whole plan, plan falls apart. If this falls apart, he just goes on with his day. It's not like, yeah. it's not like a, everything hinges on it. It's just like... I'll just see if this happens and then it does so then the whole movie can continue but it, it's kind of great <laughs> yeah he would have just gone on with his life you know um going to bars and then going to steams afterwards i guess which is the canadian way and just you're <laughs> going about his life just doing canadian stuff and like you know like if he if the santa if christopher christopher Plummer hadn't gone in there and actually tried to rob the bank like he thought he was going to yeah it's yeah. it's yeah it, it it's yeah, I loved it. And and you and it's the other thing about Hitchcock was uh, that you're so right about. It. He um, you know always loved to have like an ordinary guy in extraordinary circumstances. Yes, he did. And yes, he did. we definitely have that with Elliot Gould. It's just a normal guy in the horniest bank that you've you didn't realize was could be so horny. And you know just uh, you know deciding on a whim that yeah I'm gonna steal this money and change my life like. Yeah. I mean, so great. I I am so glad you enjoyed this. I I just I dig this movie so much. It's 
It's it's a holiday classic, guys. It you is. didn't even know it was a holiday classic. I was so happy when I found this new holiday classic. I was just like, yes, I get to watch Silent Partner now at Christmas and just and really and on Easter and on Easter yes. too. Yes. It gives you all the holidays. Yeah, it's it gives you a couple holidays. holidays. Yeah, it's it's great. This I mean, this movie's perfect. This, this movie's almost perfect. Um, yes, no, almost. Yes. Not quite. Um, no, I thank you so much for bringing me this double, actually. Just the fact that I finally got, I got the chance to watch Loophole, because, like, you know, how was I not know about this Martin Sheen, Albert Finney movie? Yeah, totally. And uh, just turned out to be just a really solid, and then for the Silent Partner to be really solid, but with Christopher Plummer, who just, I still, like, I remember even now when I watch it, I've seen him in other things, but I'm still going, that's the guy who's saying Edelweiss, what is he doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, I that is a, this is a far cry from the Sound of Music, for maybe, sure. Maybe because it's less than 10 years after Sound of Music, I don't know why, because I've seen him be villains before, but this one, for some reason, I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is, yeah, this is like, uh, if it was made another 10 years later, it would have been like Willem Dafoe. Or somebody yes. playing this part, you it know, um, which also would have been terrific. But man, yeah, like Christopher Palmer is just so crazy and great in this movie. Oh, it's, um, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I actually watched this in uh, watched this as a double, and I'm like, oh, I think this really works. I'm so glad that you agree because I, you know, in rewatching uh, these, I just uh, or, or watching and rewatching these, uh, just doing them as a double, I was like, wow, I actually think this is this really works <laughs> in ways I doesn't work. I mean, in ways I didn't even see coming, like the Susanna York, the kind yeah. of like, the solidness, the kind of relationships. I mean, they're two very different kind of relationships between men, but it's the kind of how far can I trust you? How far can I push you? Kind of element. The fact that they are both have Christmas connections. Um, even yeah. It's like, yeah, no, this really worked really well as a double, and it was so much fun. So thank you so much because this. Thank you. Any excuse to watch Silent Partner again, and then I got to discover Loophole, and then oh, push yeah. me to watch Cash on Demand. So perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's all working out for us, Lindsay. This is great. Everything's coming up roses. Um, That's right. I got to see Robbery as well, and um, and now I've got more. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch Cash on Demand. I'm going to watch. I know I'm gonna, robbery, so it's all going to be good. <laughs> I'm going to continue down this, uh, you know, British crime uh, rabbit hole. I'm pretty yeah. sure because there's some really good stuff, and you know, this is a like we said, a time when that was just a common thing to make, and it's not a very common thing to make these days. It's just yeah. a, it's an occasional thing to make. Yes, you get your cheap way to make something. It's not because you only can do. It's actually well, I don't know how to make movies, so this is probably me talking <laughs> out of my ass, but. <laughs> It seems like a very straightforward and very e simple movie to make, especially if you have only a couple locations, because it's more about yes. the relationship between the characters and if they can do a thing. So yeah. it doesn't seem like even the action can be very, very simple and downplayed and not have to be like Die Hard 2 or something. Um, yeah. So that's calculated risk, you know, the, that, that movie I mentioned for the trailer. Hmm. That's a very simple movie. Very few locations. Yeah. A lot yeah. of it underground, a couple locations at their home base, like one or two other places. Very simple, very stripped down. And you're right. You could, you can, you can, if you can get these locations, locations you want, you could make a little crime movie very easily. Yes. Um, with money, yes, too. With you know, money, and yeah. crews and, you know, actors yeah. and scripts and things. Movies <laughs> are expensive. Uh, movies, sorry, movies are money is expensive. Yes, money is expensive. Money is movies expensive. You're right. Inherently, it is. Inherently. <laughs> movies are expensive things to make regardless if you're making it in one location or if you have the budget sure. for 
a tenant. But um, yeah, it seems like a very straightforward thing to make more than making something like Tenet. That's probably what the point I was trying to make. Like people get make horror movies to get into the movie industry. Make a heist movie. I want to see more. Yeah. 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 Just make it very simple, few locations, and then do the whole thing backwards. Like, yes. that's, it's simple. It's, it's simple, simple, guys. It's not that hard. No, just go backwards. It's fine. <laughs> um, before we wrap up and go, please, Ryan, tell people where they can find your good work. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, you can find our podcasts, the New World Pictures podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're, we're, we are there. Um, you can also find us on um, Twitter at the New World Pod. So you can find us there, and uh, uh, the New World Pod, I should say. It is important to say the the, because that, otherwise you're going to get other New World Pod. I don't know who the other New World Pod is, but you'll get them. Um, so you can find us there, uh, and listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we'd appreciate, pre- appreciate the listens. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to have fun in 2022. I'm really looking forward to what's going to be happening in 2022. Um, Thank you very much. It's going to be very, very, very exciting. Um, thank you very much for listening to Schluck and Awe. Um, if you were on our guests, if you already listened to this, you already know we're on all the pod thingies, uh, pods, as I've been calling it lately. Um, but if you want to follow us, it's on Schluck and Awe <laughs> 1 at Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to follow me, it's on Reading Geek. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much, uh, Ryan, for coming um, back on. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, please. Thank you. And I can't wait to have you on again. And of course, we will. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Yay. Love to be back. Can't wait. There's a Dolph Lundgren one you've mentioned while I'm just like going, ding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, And with that, we will be be back next week with another double feature. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. (laughs) 